Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Ravens. Nevermore. WrestleTalk. Hello there, Pod Swafters. We had such amazing feedback to last week's isolation special that we thought we'd make it a weekly thing for the next few weeks while we all get through this global pandemic. So to celebrate WWE showing WrestleMania 30 in its entirety on ESPN last night and SmackDown showing the John Cena vs. Bray Wyatt match in full on Friday, we thought we'd release our full review of WrestleMania 30, where we do a deep dive into the Daniel Bryan journey, WWE's rewriting of history, why Bray Wyatt should have won, and how WWE pulled the trigger on the Shield split too early. This is a really, really long episode, so strap yourselves in, folks. This is WrestleMania 30. Enjoy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Someone once said, a good time occurs precisely when we lose track of what time it is. And man, oh man, have we lost track of time. What started three decades ago as a single idea has grown into something extraordinary. A celebration like no other. Welcome to the pageantry, the emotion, to the history that is WrestleMania. For three decades, we cheered, cried, loved, and lived. Our hearts have raced as we've applauded the incomparable. Finally, the Rock has come back! And stared with disbelief at the unbelievable. For 30 years, we've marveled at the moments that have marked the passage of our lives. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. And with each new year, we get to live it all again. Tonight, we add a new chapter to this unfinished book. The story continues, and the party rolls on. There's only one man that can conquer that street. What would the world be without its hero? At WrestleMania, I will fight for everything. I will fight for my legacy. I don't care if it's Daniel Bryan, Triple H. You're looking at the next champion. I am the past, the present, and the future. You guys underestimate the power of these people. At WrestleMania, I bury Daniel Bryan. Tonight, we celebrate all that was then. Where we are. And what will be forever. Welcome.
welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Extra podcast. Apologies, it's a teeny bit late, but it's nowhere near as late as the last month. <laughs> I'm Ollie Davis, and I'm joined, as ever, by the new look, the repackaged. I only found about it when I walked in this morning, and boy howdy did I did I yell. <laughs> It's Luke Owen. Hello, Smurf Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still. I can't get over the fact that you've got a shaved head. Well, now. Should we save that chat for the, the the regular podcast, the one that's going to go out today that we're recording this, as opposed to this one that will come out on Friday, and this will be old news. I've got so much chat, <laughs> though. I think I can fill up every podcast from here until the end of May. Well, let, let's save that. Let's hold on to that chat. I just want to touch it. It's premium. You can touch it if you want. I have touched it already. Yeah. It's like a scotch egg. Mm. I like short hair. Yeah. I just like to feel the, the stroke. Nice, isn't yeah. It? Yeah. So yeah, this is, um, I think by the time this goes out, it'll be a week late. That is practically early by our standards. Oh, absolutely. You're yeah. welcome, folks. Because WrestleMania kicked us in the butt this year a little bit with our five days, 35 hours worth of live streaming. A mm-hmm. full day and a bit, nearly two whole days of live streaming. We overcommitted. Mm. And, but I still, and delivered. Yes. That's what we did. We overcommitted and delivered. And you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. No. no. We didn't overdeliver, but we didn't underdeliver. By God, we are consistent. And maybe the only thing I would have changed would have been to do the Hall of Fame instead of the G1, because apparently that's what people wanted to talk about. Or just have that night off. <laughs> you know? I'm, we I'm didn't glad we watched this to show. Do that Mega Ran made it all worthwhile. Um, anyway, yes, uh, this. What about we- Mega Ran? <laughs> I didn't have to Google images of it. Do you know, there are no images online from that whole show. Because it was part of my news on uh, Friday. Mm. Just Googling, no one has images. Shocking, really. Not even Ring of Honor or New Japan have images for it. Yeah, it's not. We criticize WWE's website for all their stupidly worded articles and titles. Mm. But they do have good photo galleries oh, absolutely. When, within minutes of the matches happening. Exactly. When the show is over, I know I can go to www.com and get upwards of 25 images per match. Even if the match only goes two minutes, I can get 25 images available for that, which means I've got variety, mm. variety to pick from. It's a little peel back of the curtain there of what it's like to, to work at WrestleTalk when you're writing up scripts. Yeah, and, and Cultaholic and what culture... And it, any of these, we all rely on those same images. Yeah, the yeah. WrestleTalk magazine. Mm. Um, I think I did a very good job there of stalling for time while I loaded up the Patreon poll to, to find out what we're going to be talking about this month. Um, what I don't know. What are we going to be talking about? Well, let's get on to that in a second. We teased last month that we were expecting it to be Double Mania because last year it was Double Mania. And it's Double Mania again. We did WrestleMania 20 last month and we're jumping 10 years into the future to do wrestlemania 30 this month but the poll only had four mania options in it it had uh wrestlemania 21 22 27 and 30 so the majority of the poll was taken up with other options we had wcw collision in career ecw that would have been interesting yeah right the uh the 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 highest attended wrestling show ever it's like two billion people there. yeah um ecw barely legal 1997 mm. uh backlash 1999 backlash 2000 a pay-per-view i've got so many fond memories of with that rock triple h main event with austin in the rocks corner i would say the year 2000 is the most represented 
in all of our pay-per-view We've done picks. a lot of them yeah. thus far, yeah. Uh, Backlash 2006, TNA Lockdown 2009, which TNA themselves, Impact rather, just released for free online the whole show. And that features Sting versus Mick Foley in the main event for the title. Can you imagine the second biggest company in the US had Sting versus Foley for the title in 2009? Yeah, when Foley's on like his eighth retirement. Yeah, but do you know who mm. else is on that card? Tetsuya Naito. No kidding. Yeah. What, doing his tour? It's because they were doing, it was still during that TNA New Japan deal. And they had like Motive City Machine Guns with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champions. And um, Team 3D were the tag mm. team champions. And they had all those, that picture of all the great belts. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So they had like Team 3D versus Beer Money in like a title unification match for both sets of championships. And Motor City Machine Guns defending theirs against Naito, and I can't remember who else now, and LAX. Because Hernandez is a, uh, is a junior heavyweight, obviously. Yeah, I look at that guy and I think high flyer. <laughs> Although he does do the He does the, a the lot dives. of high flying. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits, mm. as we know. So, only four WrestleMania suggestions. And despite everyone pissing and moaning about it in the comments, it won in a landslide, WrestleMania 30, with 41% of the vote. So, How many people voted? Uh, we had uh, 338 votes. That's an engaged fan base. It is, Thank you yeah. very much, Pledge Hammers. Thank you so, so much. And I, I know a lot of people don't like the fact that WWF pay-per-views keep winning or the WrestleManias keep winning, but... They win. Like, we put it up for suggestions so that people can vote. And clearly, this is what people want. Yeah. We listen to the audience. You guys are the authority figures. Yeah. Unless it's picking song choices. Yeah, in which case, we kind of tweak it a little bit. Yeah, we tweak that a little bit. But yeah, WrestleMania 30 won the poll. 41% voted for it. The closest to coming in a win, you know, with the nearly one, was WrestleMania 21. With 12% of the votes. I'm disappointed the North Korea show didn't win with like a 92%. Just for, just for the irony. Yeah. Because that's how their elections, if they had elections, would probably go. Absolutely. Because you never want to do 100% wins. No. I've always thought that's strange about dict- dictatorships. Yeah. When they do the phony sham elections, they never win 100%. Well, you when don't they want to make can it look easy- forced, do you? Yeah. But they do, they, they, they look at it and go, well, 93%, 85 to 93%. That's that's realistic. Well, it's like if you copy your mate's homework at school, mm. you don't want to copy it exactly, do point. you? Because then they'll just. Do you know what? I actually once there was a kid in my school, bully of mine actually, who uh, used to copy my maths homework because he was one of those kids, and he copied my maths homework. And then my teacher brought me to one side saying, uh, "I've noticed you're copying James's homework a lot at the moment." Oh come on! <laughs> and teacher. I got in, and I got in trouble for it because Mr. Adams was a prick. Open your eyes, teachers. Yeah, he was an absolute knob. He uh, he told me, flat out to my face, you'll be lucky if you get a D at GCSE. And I got a B, so uh, take that, Mr. Adams. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, Collision in Career got 6% of the vote. The lowest was Backlash 1999 with 1% um, of the vote. So yeah, I mean, WrestleMania 30, landslide victory suggested by Michael Montgomery. Nice one, Montgomery. Absolutely. Uh, it went down on April 6th, 2014. Where were you at the time? I was still working at uh, Channel 4, I believe, as a in 4 Music, so pop music video producing. Mm-hmm. Not, not the actual music videos themselves, but the sort of top 40 shows. Those voiceovers that go between the videos with uh, slight cynical jokes about the pop stars we're introducing 
I wrote those. <laughs> so that would be me. Uh, and in terms of much, I cannot remember when I watched this. How did you not watch it live? I don't think I would have. I would have gone round my mate Dan's house and we would have watched it in his flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the, that's what we used to do. I didn't used to watch stuff. I still, you know, I'm not good at staying up late. So we'd just stay spoiler free in the day, get really excited about it and go as soon as work's over, go over to his, yep. drink loads of beer, watch it, eat pizza, fall asleep. Lovely stay stuff. Around. Good, good way to what do What about this. you? I did watch this live. Um, I'd actually just started a relationship with the woman who would become my wife mm. um, shortly before this time. We'd been uh, going steady, as you might say. But this was more or less like we were officially dating by this point. And just finger banging. Yeah, well, and all that sort of stuff, yeah. Bang, what was bang, it? Bang. What was it your uh, WhatsApp group was called? Finger, finger King. Kings. Finger Kings, yes. Um, $10 pledge handles. We'll be able to hear all <laughs> about that on the, the previous episode of Ramble Club. Um, but yeah, but so she watched this with me. It was her first wrestling experience, was watching WrestleMania 30. Don't say experience. <laughs> Not it's a in trigger this word. Month. It's a trigger word for people these days. Um, so, yeah, so I, I watched this live, went around to my friend John's house, and we watched it live on the WWE Network because it had just launched. Mm. This was the first WrestleMania to be shown on the network. And how was the experience live watching it? I got was it laggy at all? No, or? absolutely not. No, I've actually got some uh, some details on that, mm. which we'll go over uh, momentarily. Because it's so this this pay per view is so historic for many reasons. You know that it's it's a a decade celebration, uh, one of the decade anniversaries. They always seem to be bigger shows anyway. And well, it's not you know it's not yeah. it's not an anniversary, but WWE quote Pretty, anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's the from a business move. The start of what has really paid off as quite a very forward thinking. You know, we we say Vince McMahon stuck in the past so much. The idea of launching an online network was very risky back then, mm. and now everyone is doing it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's worked out for them. You know, mm. for for better or worse, it has worked out for them. I think they had a bit of teething issues at the start working out what people really want from this network. Like, oh, you like Jackass, right? We'll give you a Jackass-style show 15 years after the original one stopped airing. You like Jerry Springer, right? <laughs> he hasn't been on the air for 20 years, but you want to see him yeah. do shows, right? Yeah. Um, Forward thinking and backward <laughs> thinking at the same time. That sums up WWE. Yeah, probably still got AOL accounts. Um, so yeah, I watched this live on the network with my uh, then-girlfriend, now-wife. Uh, I got very, very drunk John. watching this show. Well, obviously. Uh, yeah, very, very drunk watching this show. I remember my lasting memory of this show, aside from the Daniel Bryan stuff, is my wife at the start of the Brock Undertaker match saying, like, well, Brock's winning, right? And me and John laughing at her and saying, no, 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 see, you don't understand. You're not a wrestling fan. It's fine. Undertaker wins at WrestleMania. That's just, that's the thing. You mansplained. We did, absolutely. We wrestle fansplained uh, that Undertaker wins at WrestleMania. That's just the thing. And she kept saying, no, he's so much bigger. He's going to win. Like, he's a, look at him. He's, that that guy's about a thousand years old. This this guy's going to kill him. And she has photos of us that she took on her BlackBerry phone. Dated. Dated. Of us, like, hugging each other after the match was over because we'd, like, jumped out of our seat in full-on shock that Undertaker had lost. We were holding each other. We were that, like... And I I then went on a tear about how dumb this was. Mm. 
And I went, and after the show was finished, me and John walked the streets. We went up to a 24-hour petrol station to go buy some cigarettes because I was still smoking at the time. And I was just screaming all the way down there. I was like, why didn't you put over a young person with this? Why didn't you use this to actually push someone? Not seeing that, you know, SummerSlam was a, a couple of months off from here where it would sort of pay off and mm. kind of create the Brock run. This was oh, that's the starting point of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you needed to beat the Undertaker <laughs> to, <laughs> no? to to do that. Hmm, no, well, that's okay. No. I mean, other people would beat him. Who else, who else bought, uh, beat him? Oh, Roman Reigns. So I, I legit forgot then who mm. it was. Uh, so yeah, so I, I did watch this live, and I very, very much enjoyed this show. This and watching this back, it has been a joyous actually watch through. I've been I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, and it made me think. Of all the WrestleManias I wish I could have been a part of in the building, yeah, it's 100% this one. This is when wrestling fans were all on the same page. Because there was one guy we wanted to see that night. There was one guy we wanted to see win the title that night. And there isn't a single person in that building that isn't into Daniel Bryan. Mm. It's absolutely nuts. And it's been really nice to go back and revisit that time and the yes movements and all that, and WWE finally, you know, credit to them, listening to what the fans wanted. They for had that a, night. Yeah, for that night, you know, and they, they they had their hand played against them because this was not the. Despite what Road Dog will tell you, this was not the plan. This was absolutely. It was Batista Orton. That's that's what he wanted to do. That's why they brought Batista back, and Brian was going to have a match against Sheamus. And they were going to play off the 17-second loss from a couple of years previous. But, you know, Punk left in at the Royal Rumble and plans had to change because Hunter didn't have a storyline anymore. And when Hunter doesn't have a storyline, plans have to go right out the window. We have to refigure what we're mm. doing. And it's not just Punk that's told this story. Daniel Bryan tells this story in his book. So it, it's even more laughable that WWE are sticking to their guns that... No, all that stuff at SummerSlam, that was meant to lead to all of this. You're just idiot wrestling fans who didn't see it all coming. Yeah. It, it, it's a weird pay-per-view to talk about because in isolation, it's fantastic. Yeah. I think this is you know, one of the best WrestleManias ever. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of the stuff we're going to say is going to be followed up by... And they ruined it, or <laughs> and they they completely misinterpreted the reasons behind something. Yeah, oh, I mean, they like, the ball we're, there. we're still suffering the effects of the Brian push yeah. because WWE now think to get someone over, they have to beat them and beat them and beat them, just like they mistakenly did with Daniel Bryan, get the natural groundswell of support from the fans, and then pull the trigger on yeah. them. Problem is, like, I think what Debbie realized is that we were already behind Brian at SummerSlam when he won the title. Mm. We were already like the Yes movement was huge then. Remember WrestleMania, like when we were, everyone was doing it. It took them so long to pick up on the fact that people really like this guy, and they just beat him like a drum because they didn't want him to be the face of this company or to, to be a champion. And it it, it was a begrudging push. Uh, I, I would argue. But yeah, to your point, they then thought, ah, people liked him because we beat him all the time and that's what started it. When, no, it started way previous to that and they just completely missed that point. Yeah, we're not at fault here. <laughs> this must have been our genius all along. Absolutely, yeah. Fans didn't want women's wrestling. Never. Um, but the big question, Oliver Davis, yes. it is April 6th, 2014. What? Is number one at the U.S. box office. Oh, movies. It's okay. timely as well, I would say. Well, it's, it must be a Marvel movie then. Uh, 2014. 
It's not Guardians, because that would have been the year before? No, that was 2014. Oh, that was, was it? In August. Oh, yeah, because Batista was going to stick around to promote Guardians, and WWE were like, <laughs> it's not going to be a do, People aren't watching these Marvel movies. So it's it's a movie. So it's Captain America: Civil War. No, dude, that was a that was a couple no, of years oh, later. No, what am I talking about? <laughs> it's it's uh, the freaking the, the Winter Soldier <laughs> one. Oh go. god, damn it! I need a new set of lungs, dude. You just ran like 13 miles in 30 minutes. Guess I got a late start. <laughs> really? You should be ashamed of yourself. You should take another lap. Did you just take it? I assume you just took it. What unit you were? 58th Pararescue. But now I'm working down at the VA. Sam Wilson. Steve Rogers. Yeah, I kind of put that together. Must have freaked you out coming home after the whole defrosting thing. It takes some getting used to. It's good to meet you, Sam. It's your bed, right? What's that? Your bed is too soft. When I was over there, I sleep on the ground, use rock for pillows like a caveman. Now I'm home, lying in my bed, and it's like... Lying on a marshmallow. I feel like I'm going to sink right to the floor. How long? Two tours. You must miss the good old days, huh? Well, things aren't so bad. Food's a lot better. We used to boil everything. No polio's good. Internet, so helpful. Been reading that a lot, trying to catch up. Marvin Gaye, 1972, Trouble Man soundtrack. Everything you missed, jammed into one album. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> I had an open goal. I looked at the open goal and booted it. <laughs> booted uh, it into Rosette football reference. You are the Bray Wyatt push of uh, this episode. Uh, hey, that might be dated. Hey. Next week, <laughs> Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt yeah. could be... An astounding success. Absolutely, yeah. The previous week movie, so uh, yeah, Captain America: Winter Soldier was number one at the box office, ninety-five million for its opening weekend. It's huh, a disappointment. The previous week's number one was Noah, a film I legit forgot mm, existed. Darren Aronofsky's yeah. foray into religious myths. Yeah, and it really worked out for him. Yeah. Uh, what was number one in the UK he's though? Not, he's not a blockbuster director. He's doing passion projects. Yeah, I know. Uh, what was number one in the UK? I'll just give you a spoiler. It's not Captain America, yeah. The Winter Soldier, because that would have come out the week previous in the UK, because that was in that time where we were getting them first because of tax breaks and things like that. So April 2015. Mm-hmm. Is it an X-Men? 2014. Is it still a superhero movie? It is not, no. It's an animated film. An animated film in 2014. Something to do with gnomes. Gnomes or trolls? Oh, no, no. Frozen? Uh, no. That's way before. Uh, it had been 2013. Uh, Bird Raptor would be my best guess, I could, uh, best um, clue, clue I could possibly give you. Rio. That's exactly yeah. it. Uh, I come in peace. <laughs> oh, she's beautiful. What were they talking about? She's... She's like an angel. An angel who's getting really close up. You're standing on my throat. Oh, you're an American. <clears throat> Thanks. I need my throat for talking, so thank you. Uh, yeah, Rio was number one at the UK box office. Captain America would actually return to the UK number one position the week following. Uh, so It's got legs. Yeah, Rio knocked it off. Uh, for just a brief period of time. Never seen it. And it got a sequel, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, never seen either of them. Um, But Captain America Winter Soldier, the best MCU movie. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's my it's my numero uno. It's yeah. I mean, I rank Infinity War, Civil War, Guardians, all above it mm. easily. And the original and Avengers? Thor Ragnarok. No, no, no. And Thor. Why do I keep doing the wrong Thor Dark World? I meant to say Thor <laughs> Dark World to annoy you. But instead, you said the really good one. Yeah. Damn. You see, um, Chris Hemsworth uh, said in an interview that he was done with the Thor character before Ragnarok. Wow. He was being like, I was so, I was really bored with the character. And I'm not, I don't blame him either because he was a boring, boring character up mm. until Ragnarok where they let him be Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, it was, it was always all the other characters in Thor solo movies that were interesting. Mm. And then in apart the Apart from Aven- Malekith, who was a boring, oh, boring yeah, yeah. villain. Apart from the villains. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then you had him in the Avengers team-up movies, and he was the guy who got the comedic... Well, everyone got the comedic relief. But he was... It's a Joss he, Whedon movie. He was really good in the little comedic relief moments. Yes. So they yeah. doubled down on that part. My wife and I had a discussion <laughs> about this. Um, we were watching Deep Blue Sea last night. And, How um, often do you watch that movie? Um, I feel like you you said this. <laughs> I mean, I didn't watch it all. Of la- I didn't watch it all of last year. Um, but yeah, maybe the year previous to that. I don't know, last time I oh, saw I it. I think it's more frequent than that. And, um, Check your letterbox. But we were <laughs> we were talking about um, LL Cool J in there and him doing the 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 moments of levity after like super serious moments. And my wife turned to me and said like. You hate, you see, Joss Whedon's not to blame for everything. This came out in 1999 and he's doing comedy moments after super serious moments. I was like, yeah, but he's the only one. He is the comedy relief of this movie. He's supposed to do this. Everyone in a Joss Whedon movie is the comedic relief. Even when they're not supposed to be. Hmm. Anyway, by the way. Uh, what was number one in the US Billboard charts? It was from March 8th all the way up until May 10th. So, so big, big, yeah. big, big song. So this is going to be like a, a Rihanna. Oh, no, no. Calvin Harris is going to have produced it. He very well may have done, but I, I don't know. It that. should say F- Calvin Harris. Oh, in okay. The, in, the it, in which case it doesn't then. A big but, and song. Brandon, and you were working for four music at this I time. Know, so this really should be like well, your running, area of expertise. Yeah, I'm running through Nicki Minaj. Nope. Beyonce. Nope. Taylor Swift. Nope. Uh-huh. Uh, is, it, is it a dance track? It is. You can certainly dance to it. It is a pop song. It was written for a movie. I think a lot of people forget. It's an interesting clue. Mm. It's a good pub knowledge quiz, this. Can I have another clue? Uh, uh, the artist is a solo name, uh, like a one-named person. Pitbull. Although he has also gone by his double name as well. He was part of uh, a, a band at one point as well, which I bought their album. And it was quite good. So you bought an album... Of a band, mm. of someone who's gone on to become, I think a solo. Pop I think singer. this person would have been a solo artist. Like it was more like a side project that, <sighs> that, that they did. This and bearing in mind, this is this was a huge song for the year. I was surprised that when I looked it up in the UK, it was only number one for one week. But I, I remember this song just being like it's, it's about the only song that I've seen in this 2014 list of songs that I recognise. And it's not Bruno Mars. It's not Bruno Mars. And it's still not Nicki Minaj. It's still not Nicki Minaj, no. The title of the song is also one word. Lots of clapping. Is what is it? DJ Casper. No, it's not. It's not that again. The cha cha slide. They they didn't re-release it. We get that all the time in the movies. (laughs) Oh yeah, two thousand and one. The Exorcist was number one. (laughs) Oh yeah, okay. Uh, Okay. I you got okay. Tell me. 
It is Happy by Pharrell. Ah, Cause yeah. I'm happy to be alone. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. Big, big song. Um, I'll be honest. The one for the UK, I have no idea. And I was looking at the 2014 list, and I was looking at these songs, and I was like, I don't recognise any of these songs, with the exception of "Happy" by Pharrell Williams and "Timber" by Pitbull, which was the it was a WrestleMania theme. One year, yeah. Also a theme I, for this one, that was I Kid pl- Rock. I played uh, after we were having a discussion about the lyrics for Timber being about backwards jogging. Uh, uh, yes, reverse jog- mm, uh, jogging. Jogging into a tunnel. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Jogging through the back door at the end when you get home. Well, you don't go in the front door when you get home. We, we could. You go could. round the side. You could put it that way. And you, yeah. get, you use the kitchen door at the back of the house. <laughs> yeah. So I told my lady partner that. She she said, no, it isn't. And I said, well, it is. Because uh, Luke and Laurie told me. I can't remember any examples why, though. Let's listen. It's been in her head for two <laughs> days. She'll just be, what? You know, just humming it under her breath. I mean, like, God damn it. It's in my head now. Uh, so yeah, so some of these other songs, Clean Bandit featuring Jess Glynn, Rather Be, N- oh, never heard that song. That's no. that song. Well, it was on a uh, mobile phone advert, oh, yeah. and I just, I thought it was so annoying. My flatmate. Oh no, I think, <laughs> there's no place I'd rather. My flatmate put it on at a party we were holding at our house once. She put it on really loud. And I just, t- I just heard those notes, and I just turned around and went, "I in hate this song." And she just got furious at me. Is this the housemaid that is known yeah. to do that? Yeah. <laughs> the one that I really upset? Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm not alone in that. Yeah, she, she was just—you never knew when she was gonna take offence to something, and yeah. this was one of those times. Yeah, I think a lot of fury was bubbling <laughs> under the surface, and I just, I just popped that zit. Yep, and now it all came on my face. Uh, my love by Route ninety four, so featuring Jess Glynn. Wait, are you just going through the entire year? No, UK no, it's just some of these. Tsunami, I got you, the man, nobody to love. I don't know a single one of these songs. So, what was the actual one? It was a song uh, called "She Looks So Perfect" by Five Seconds of Summer. So, Five Seconds of Summer, I think, are a sort of a Kerrang style rock band. Uh, but... a, a Kerrang style rock band. Yeah. Well, you've got to understand that Kerrang is made for teenage <laughs> girls. Oh, it, at this period of time, because when I was yeah. buying Kerrang, it certainly wasn't. Still made it was. It was made for thirteen. Girls. It was made for thirteen-year-old boys. Now, that, it actually never was. It really was. It's always no, been. It, it was. The it demographic was definitely... has always been teenage girls. Kerrang. Yes. Are you serious? Yeah. No, they had their own channel and everything. That was I know. I used like... to work for it. <laughs> I saw the demographic report. In 2014, I would say, probably, yeah. But I'd say in 2013, it was like... All it was through that, the noughties. I think that and Metal Hammer were very much going for the same demographic. And I, and I read both. So I, I, I knew the way they were wording things. Uh, five seconds of summer. Oh, no, they're an Australian pop rock band. <laughs> Should we move on from the... Uh, from this... Uh, I'm frustrated. You know when you do a pub quiz and you don't feel good yeah. afterwards? 
feel frustrated that I didn't get any of this. No, well, you got you got both movies with some, with some. I pushes. said the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, many times over. Uh, okay, yeah. So this is WrestleMania 30, very well received in the Wrestling Observer polls. 88.7 percent gave it a thumbs up, uh, with only six percent. Oh, sorry, only uh, 0.5 percent. Oh, sorry try that again only five percent giving it a thumbs down wow and the rest giving it thumbs in the middle best match uh, was voted as the main event brian versus orton versus batista and the structured and the worst match was voted as the divas title yep yep uh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, which AJ would lose the following night. Mm. Uh, the Wrestling Observer would say, for whatever happened over the past two years with Daniel Bryan as a small guy doing comedy routines about how funny it was they, and they thought he couldn't beat big guys, somewhere something connected with the audience. And it saved a WrestleMania that would have been lackluster without it. Bryan had the two best matches, a strong main event star match to open where he beat Triple H and he beat champion Randy Orton and Batista, making Batista submit to the Yes Lock in 23-19 seconds to become WWE World Champion. But with it, it was among the best WrestleManias in history, ending with Brian overcoming the odds amidst a sea of yes chance. Uh, so you're asking about the network. Mm. Uh, Dave Meltz would write, one of the biggest questions going into the show was how well the WWE Network would hold up on its biggest day of traffic. It came, uh, it, came, it became more of a question when Major League Baseball's site, which has the same hosting service, was filled with problems over the first few days of the season. I remember that being a big thing that MLB were having huge issues in the lead up to Mania. Uh, but by and large, it held up well. 59% of those people who watched the network reported no technical issues at all. Another 37% said there were issues, but only minor. And only 4% said they had significant issues. So I'd hey, say for, for the first big style event, that's that's quite a success. Yeah, I I, I think they did uh, pretty well mm. uh, out of that. Um, I really enjoyed the video hype package that opened up the show, uh, comparing um, you know comparing New Orleans to WrestleMania, essentially mm. saying like, hey, these two things are basically the same. You were you were talking about how of all the WrestleManias you would have liked to have been at this one live, mm. especially because it was. A brief three hours 55 or something. Pretty much. And the first bell doesn't ring until like 36 minutes into mm. the show. Uh, but also because so many people have such fond memories of going to this event because of it being New Orleans. And this was really New the Orleans, first. Please. New Orleans. Yeah, I, get, I used to get told off a lot in the comments when we did last year's WrestleMania because uh, I said it was in New Orleans. And people New were like, Orleans. It's, it's not. It's New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> Orleans. Uh, yeah, because you had all these wrestling shows, and this is nothing new. Like in previous years, you'd have loads of indie companies descend on WrestleMania Town and have their wrestling shows Despite everywhere. WWE's best efforts. Yeah, uh, and Idiots. they before it was all quite stretched out and sparse. But because every, all these venues were so close together, wrestling fans appeared to just completely take over a few streets. Yeah, for for a week. And go to all these amazing events and the big WWE events. And it would have, like, there were so many stories of, oh, I was just having a drink in the bar. And there was Xavier Woods yeah. or Brad Maddox, the people <laughs> this town. Asking them, how are you going to get, how are you going to yeah. fare in the Battle Royal tomorrow? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you saw that a lot last year as well when it was back in New Orleans. You had a liar show up to do like a, a random set in a in a bar. Matt Hardy was out doing lots of his delete stuff and because um, he was still trying to get that gimmick over in WWE. And um, yeah, it's just like you watch the videos there and it is, really does feel like, Wrestling, it, the only people that are in this place are wrestling fans and the people who work in New Orleans who have to serve these people. 
And it, it just looked like a wicked, wicked time. Yeah, it couldn't have come at a better period in WWE as well because everyone was so organically behind Daniel Bryan. Yeah. I bet there just must have been yes chants breaking out every, every 10 minutes. Oh, man. Like that period of time uh, in the early teens, the early 20 teens, where just woo, and then it would all break out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it must have been that for yes. Absolutely. Yes it was certainly that way in my office at work. Oh, yeah. It was no. like me and four other people out of the hundred people who worked there were wrestling fans. And we'd just be like, yes, yes, yes. Every time we passed each other. And it was something that, oh man, well, we'll talk about the yes uh, phenomenon when we get to it. Um, yeah, but they're talking about how we lost track of time. And um, a lot of this, I feel, is somewhat ruined by Michael Cole's voice talking about how, like, WrestleMania is is brilliant and, and whatnot. It's the greatest spectacle in all of entertainment. Yeah. And he's just, like, sounds like a corporate shill and it's really awful. It's not the only thing he'll... <laughs> undermined throughout the night but then we see the usual stuff that you know you get in here the immovable force uh the immovable object this that, and the other the austin era has begun all the, the classic things you see but you see wrestlers dancing with sort of mardi gras dancers down the street but i like how they sort of superimposed people who are no longer with us into these scenes as well like andre's there coming down sort of like the wrestlemania 3 ring and i i, I quite like all of that and it's sort of how they superimposed everyone into it it was quite hokey um like it wasn't it wasn't a clean superimposition of mm. old footage into this this party scene but it was it was the sentiment was so nice that you get over that yeah yes. i thought it was a, it was a really good video package getting over wrestlemania and like you said the location of new orleans <laughs> But it also, it was also a really neat concept for a video package. Yeah, the, yeah, I thought it explained it. And well. then it moves into like you're the the big matches on the show, which is Brock versus Taker, Wyatt versus Cena, and Batista versus Orton, and Brian versus Triple H. Before we get someone who I didn't think would have a second cameo on this uh, podcast, Kid Rock. Kid Rock makes his second appearance on Wrestle Ramble Extra with Yeah, yeah, <sighs> come on, let's celebrate. And so uh, it's not my Kid Rock. It's not. No. It's not Bar with a Bar, Kid Rock. It's not Devil Without a Cause, Kid Rock. It's like that's not my Weezer. <laughs> when I see Rivers Cuomo doing backup lyrics for a pop song written by B.O.B. Yeah, and I, and I know a lot of people uh, are easy to make fun of Kid Rock, and it is easy to make fun of Kid Rock. But, and fun. And fun. Yeah. But I will stand by Bar With A Bar, as I've mentioned on a previous Wrestle Ramble Extra. Um, I, uh, in fact, actually, this is so unlike a Kid Rock song, I forgot it was Kid Rock until I looked it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's here tonight as well, isn't he? I forgot mm. all about that. Um, and then Cole says, in a really weird line to open this show, for the better part of four decades, it's WrestleMania. I'm like, hey, it's the 30th one. Like, how do you say for the better part of four decades? It's it's when it's like when he looks at the attendance figures. <laughs> yeah. so, I'm just going to add 20,000 more to that figure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is crazy. It's like, why don't you say three? And he calls it the greatest spectacle in entertainment. Um, and I was thrilled to see when I looked at the timeline and it was only it was under four hours. It's like mm. three minute, three hours fifty five. I was overjoyed. That's good. Yeah, that's like uh, I mean, still really too long. Uh, I would I would argue three for hours WrestleMania, thirty. I think it's fine. Four hours, yeah, for a WrestleMania for one show a year. Backlash. Sure. Don't need that to be four hours long. No, two hours forty-five, please. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I, I think for WrestleMania, four hours is is a good time. But then it cuts to the commentary desk, <laughs> and you see who's backed up by Michael Cole. Who this was? 
you know, he's not heel Michael Cole, so he's not his worst. But he's by no far the best version of Michael Cole either, which is still not a good Michael Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is flanked by Jerry Lawler mm-hmm. and JBL. This is dark timeline commentary. Like this three-man team. I, c- I will make fun of Renee Young till the cows come home. And I will I will sing Corey Graves' praises just as much as I will also damn them as well because I think he can be very bad at times. I would much rather that commentary team than this one. And, and but this, it's not as bad as heel Michael Cole. Yeah, that that is like with Booker T and Jerry the King. Oh. Like that is that's the worst. That's the absolute pits of of commentary. But this isn't much better. No, this this is this is not good. I get a kick out of JBL sometimes because he has got some wicked one liners. Mm. Unfortunately, this point in his life, Lawler. Every single line is tired. Yeah. Uh, like when we talk about classic Attitude Era pay-per-views and he's doing commentary there, he is reading out zingers that genuinely land and make us laugh. He is full of life and vigor. Yeah, like 20 times a match. And he's into play with JR's Fantastic. But here he's this like weird shell of what he was character-wise. And he wasn't watching the product. If mm. he wasn't commentating at ringside he didn't he didn't commentate on things so he didn't watch anything that was going on and you can tell that sometimes because he'll just say things that are being fed to him and he there's no passion or like reason behind the things that he's saying however i will say i I will i'm going to put over the commentary uh in the first match but we'll 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 come on to that well talking of uh maybe not watching the product or being aware of certain details let me tell you something, brother. Oh, yes, because it wouldn't be WrestleMania without a host. And this year's host was Hulk Hogan, who had made his return to the company after his brief stint with TNA, where he was going to change the wrestling world, brother, and he was going to lead this promotion to, to the new lands, which is why he never plugged it in any of his outside wrestling media appearances. And seems to be embarrassed for it all the time. Solomonster always points to one line that Dixie Carter said in the press conference announcing Hulk Hogan's signing with TNA. Hulk Hogan will be the rocket fuel TNA needs. So you had to drive you straight into the ground. (laughs) Yep, and I think it should really be said as many times as possible, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff killed that company. I think there have been a lot of errors made along the way. But as a company that had so much momentum and genuine momentum and fan base behind it, and I think those people, along with Vince Russo, Vince Russo had started the ball rolling and Bischoff and Hogan came to push it even quicker down the hill, drove people away from that product. Hey, Dixie put those people in in place. So where does the buck stop? But she was very easily manipulated. Evident in the fact, as Hogan's last appearance on that show was Dixie Carter begging him not to leave. That's how good of a, like, that's how easily swayed Dixie Carter apparently was in terms of making business and booking decisions. Well, he had creative control. Yeah. So she had to do it. But she gave him creative control. Yes, exactly, yeah. Uh, Anyway, Hogan comes down. uh, I guess the official host thing started with The Rock a couple of years earlier. Mm -hmm. But this is the only time we see Hogan for the whole night. Not a very good host. No. not coming around topping up people's drinks. But... Maybe I preferred him to Alexa Bliss. Oh yeah, yeah, this year's. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think I preferred him to New Day doing it. Well, the, it was just it's WrestleMania thirty, 
and Hulk Hogan comes down. It's it's not just a celebration of WrestleMania, but all of WWE. And he comes down and he's getting a huge pop because, you know, this was before we knew he was racist. <laughs> Everyone unequivocally yeah. loved Hulk Hogan back then. It was, like you said, it was kind of his homecoming. Uh, I think he came back, not here, but relatively recently yeah. returned to WWE. It was like I'll be honest, all, a lot of the reviews of this show are just burying TNA um when Hogan's here. So um yeah, it's it's still fresh in the mind. Uh but Hogan welcomes everyone to the Silverdome. First off, I'd like to welcome everyone here at the Silverdome to WrestleMania 30. Everybody in the WWE universe and everybody that's watching the WWE Network to, to tear the roof off this place right here in New Orleans, Louisiana, brother. Hulk thinks he's back in WrestleMania 3. <laughs> that's all right. You know, I was there for the very first WrestleMania right in Madison Square Garden where me and Mr. T beat Rowdy Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. That was just the beginning. And then fast forward... 30 years later, WrestleMania 30, right here in the Silverdome. I can't believe I'm the special host here for WrestleMania. I'm sorry, it is the Superdome, brothers. There you go. I'm excited too. I was just thinking about body slamming Andre the Giant. But yes, sir, we are here in the Superdome without a doubt. In his promo, so he's already started going. And of course, they're in the Superdome. Yeah, it, it starts off with the greatest hits. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Blah, 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 blah. And it's great here to be in the Silverdome, dude. And you can hear sort of like a smattering of booze. It's amazing. This, yeah. this is incredible. There's a smattering of booze. And Hogan is a little bit unsure about this. So he, he carries on. Then he stumbles over his Then the crowd are cheering. The crowd start cheering him again. Exactly. They're on his side. Absolutely. He, he then starts stumbling over his words. And he's like, oh, I'm a bit discombobulated. Starts talking about Mania 1 and teaming with Mr. T to take on Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff and Roddy. Piper, and then all the way to Mania 30 in the Silver Dome. And that is when the crowd really start to boo him. And it's like that bit in The Simpsons when there's like, and if you freeze frame it, you can see the moments that his heart breaks. There is a point where you can freeze frame this and realize when the penny drops. <laughs> he smiles. <laughs> he has a little smile. <laughs> he realizes he's been, he said the wrong name, not once, but twice. And then says, sorry, I was thinking about slamming Andre the Giant in the Silverdome. We're here in the Superdome. And then the crowd cheer him. And then he's like, even thanks all the, thanks all my Hulkamaniacs for correcting me. Yeah. And you're like, you are so good at turning your lies <laughs> in, into, into good baby face heat. Yeah. You're a genius. That there is, you know, loads of things have been said about Hogan and stuff that Hogan said about himself. Yeah. But. You see the moment he realizes when he mucked up and he corrects himself. That like that makes me love the guy. Just yeah. in that little little moment. That is like you know, to to see someone fail but then recover. I I love it. But you you had one job. Yeah. <laughs> You're the host. You got the name of the building wrong. I think this is also you said the sort of rock kicked off the hosting duties of WrestleMania and that sort of carried through. That, to me, feels like the WWE missed the point of why they had The Rock there as the yeah. host. 
<laughs> they had him there so they could start the John Cena storyline mm. to build to the next year's WrestleMania. And then they thought, well, that was a huge WrestleMania because we had a host. So we'd better have a host again at some point soon. It's a way to promote a very big name without having them in a wrestling match. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so I guess that's the way they do it. Because they obviously announced Hogan beforehand. He was always billed as the official host for the He's event. He's all over the marketing yeah. for, for this. And uh, it's, it's also funny as well that you say that he has that really sort of sweet moment where he does realise that he's made an error. He doesn't have that same moment. Uh, he didn't have that same moment at this year's WrestleMania when he did say he mocked himself for saying the name wrong and then proceeded to say the building he was in wrong, but by accident. Yeah. And then just walked away. Well, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't <laughs> know Paul Heyman was going to come out for a match next. Uh, but yet the... So Hogan was always announced. He comes out, he gets his little pop, and everyone's like, that's lovely. And he says, well, now it's time for more WrestleMania moments tonight. And then the glass shatters, and the crowd go ballistic. The roof, and I think it was an open-air building, but everything came unglued in this moment. And I remember me and John and... My my wife being so utterly confused as to why this big hot dog was talking about buildings and Andre the Giant. And I just, the pair of us like jumped out of our seats to be like, oh my God, Austin's here. Because they're like, it's going to be Austin and Hogan in the ring at the same time. This is, this is, ma- this is amazing. It, it was such an incredible moment. It was, it was perfectly done. But, you know, we keep coming back to WrestleMania 30, but it real, really felt like a giant big time celebration. And, I mean, the only thing I would change, again, the commentary. (laughs) Lawler, as soon as the glass shatters and you see Stone Cold walk down uh, outside the the, the big set and he comes down the ramp, Lawler is yelping, such a moment, such a moment. (laughs) And, like, we get it. Like, the, the last thing during a moment I need is someone telling me it's a moment because my mind just goes, no, it's not. Because, you, could, you know, you don't want to be told that stuff. I think one of the benefits of us live streaming this year's WrestleMania, and I would say one of the benefits of watching WrestleMania with friends, is that there's often a lot of chatter, mm. which means you tend to miss commentary. It's only then when you're watching it back on your own, you hear some of this commentary. And you're like, ugh, this is bad. Yeah. It's really bad. But yeah, and, and I've, I've written in my notes here, Hogan wasn't my guy. You know, I was a child when Hogan was on top, but I wasn't watching wrestling because it was banned in my household. I knew who Hulk Hogan was. I knew that he was a big deal. But by the time I got into wrestling, he was with the other company and I didn't have access to watch that company at the time. And more or less, like he was more or less gone from that company anyway. Austin and Rock were my guys. Mm. So Austin coming down was like a big deal to me. Hogan actually, if anything, turned me off from watching wrestling. When he came back in 2002 and won the title, I was like, nah, I'm done. I I think I'm out of this now. It's the first time Austin has been in WWE since WrestleMania 27. So this is a couple of years. It's a a nice shock. And he comes in and he poses on the turnbuckles. And he's he's just in that great way Austin always has, where he's just staring Mm. at the other person in the ring while he does these poses. And then he squares up. To Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And it just like, man, that is freaking cool. That match we never got. Absolutely. It's the WrestleMania match that never happened because they went with Rock and Hogan instead. But thinking, probably quite rightly, 
oh, they'll both be around next year. We'll, we'll do it at next year's main year instead. Mm. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, that's not really the case. Yeah, but uh, but Austin gets in a really good joke, happy to be at the Silver Dome. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's perfectly done. It just felt like not just these two legends in the ring, but like now two people. It's all, like Hogan screwing up sets the tone for this whole segment as something more than just fan service. Yeah, it's it's less of just coming out and, and playing the greatest hits and doing the catchphrase that the people want to hear. Mm-hmm. It does genuinely feel like this is these are wrestling legends coming together to to have a chat. But, and we're and we're hanging out with old friends. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's it's really cool. And, you know, he says like, just uh, do the fans want to see me open up a can of whoop ass on. Hulk Hogan and the crowd go ballistic for it. He puts over the Hall of Fame, starts leading the crowd in what chants. It's absolutely wonderful. The what chant is brilliant. So the crowd start doing what as Austin's speaking. And he shuts them down in such a smart way. He plays along with it, but he bores them. <laughs> He's, he just goes, I beat a, a WrestleMania 1. What? WrestleMania 2? What? And he does it all the way through to WrestleMania 10. And he goes, you get the picture. And the crowd have had their what thing now. uh, And they stop. And they've had their fill. Yeah. They are full up of what's now. That is the best way to stop the what chant, apart from Undertaker going, anyone who says what sleeps with their sister. (laughs) What? Ah, no! Is that Undertaker? Yeah, badass taker. Uh, It was something I'm paraphrasing, but that was effectively what he said. Um, so yeah, so Austin's there and he's talking about how like these two people, Hogan and Austin, they've been very protective of their legacies, which I think is very, very true. Hogan in particular with his creative control that he had in WCW, he didn't want to ever really lose because that's not what the immortal Hulk, Hulk Hogan does. But, you know, Austin was the same way. It's incredible hearing stories of Austin. And he, you know, he's been very open about this in his books as well, of being like people would present him with matches and he would just say, no. Because I, I'm I'm not doing it. It doesn't make any sense. Like they were talking about um, on an episode of Something to Wrestle with recently, that uh, there was an episode of Raw where he was going to have an unadvertised match against Billy Gunn, just because it's Raw. Hey, Champion's going to have a match on Raw. It's going to be against Billy Gunn. It's just he's just a heel, and you'll have a match. It'll go five minutes, and Austin flat out said, "No, if there's no storyline reason for me to do this, then I'm not doing it." And I thought about that today while watching Raw when Becky Lynch just came out and had a two-minute match with Alicia Fox. And I'm like, it doesn't make Becky feel special that way. She's just on the roster. Yeah. And she has two belts. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, it's a, you can say it's selfish or egomaniacal, e- uh, but it's, it's actually coming from a place of wanting to protect your character. Yeah. And actually, that's what's best for the overall business and creative direction. I completely agree. So yeah. it, it's a shame that more people aren't more selfish. Like but I, I think that it's probably systematic within the company. Yeah. Of like you're too afraid to say no. You yeah. do. You're walking on eggshells the whole time, so you don't want to rock the boat. You just want to do what you're told. Otherwise, who knows what's going to what's going to happen to you? Apart from the one guy who has been pushed more than anyone in the last decade. Yeah. Brock Lesnar who does say what he wants to do and tells people, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. 
I suppose if you're Brock Lesnar, you can get away with yeah. that sort of thing. And, and weirdly, it was Brock Lesnar and Steve Austin, that random match that St- Steve said, well, I'm not going to do it. You can't just, that's a big time match. I'm not just going to have it on Raw as a qualifying for King of the Ring or something. It was qualifying, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he, he walked out the company. Took his ball and went home, mm. as he says it himself. But anyway, so like you think this is a pretty big deal because Austin and Hogan are in the ring. You're like, man, what a hot start to this show. I genuinely didn't think. Why it can't get better than this. And then all of a sudden, If You Smell plays over the speech, and the place becomes even more unglued. And I I don't say this a lot. I'm going to give credit to Kevin Dunn yes. for this as well. Because Kevin Dunn cuts to a crowd shot just a moment before the music plays. So you've got this shot of this crowd enraptured by what is happening in the ring looking at Austin and Hogan. And then as soon as that music plays, they all lose their freaking minds and start looking up the ramp and jumping up and down and losing their goddamn S word. It's amazing. Yeah, there's one woman in particular in the front row who is, you know, already mouth open watching Hogan and Austin. And then, if you're... And she... Goes, it's brilliant. Like, it's, oh, it's, it's a fantastic moment. Absolutely. And, and J- Jerry Lawler doesn't need to tell me it's a moment. Yeah. I also noticed at this point here, green shirt guy. Mm, yeah. The hero one was really annoyed at WrestleMania 35. It's the first time I've noticed that he's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't know it before. No. Long haired guy. Yeah. I know that he's always at shows with his old deer. But I've never noticed Green Shirt Guy. But now I'm aware of him. Yeah, I see yeah. him everywhere. I see him all the time. It's like when you learn a new word. <laughs> uh, but The Rock comes out. Oh, he's wet. And yeah, he's <laughs> immediately sweaty. I think he he was sweaty. I, I, he poured a bottle of water over because his T-shirt is drenched. Mm. He is a wet, wet man. Yeah, or it's humid. Just could be humid. Could be humid. I think Roman Reigns was taking tips from him and being like, aha, uh-huh. mm. so that's what gets you over. And he points to his arm and he shows bumps. the goosebumps. And like, again, the, rather looking at these people as legends of the wrestling industry, there's a real human connection here because Rock's like, I'm freaking loving this. I love you guys. Yeah. Just with that, that one gesture. But then Cole yelps, he's here. Mr. Hercules himself. I've got that down as well. Who looks at The Rock and goes, oh, it's the guy from Hercules. Yeah, right. Uh, it was the movie he had to plug at the time. Um, but I, 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 as much as that was annoying me, all I could think about while he was making his entrance, I don't think I've ever thought about this before, but Jim Johnston, I was thinking about him during this, doing that sweet, sweet guitar lick in the Rock's theme song. And just picturing Jim Johnston, 53-year-old Jim Johnston, doing that sweet little guitar lick in his element. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. He is a cool man. And you've got Rock, and he gets into the ring, and he hugs Hogan and Austin. And There's like some kind of, kind of secret handshake with Austin. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're attitude era yeah. buddies, aren't they? And JBL says, in a, like, as much as I didn't like that call line, he had a line that made me hate him even more, where he's like, I just got my money's worth for the WWE Network and the show hasn't even started yet. I'm like, Shut up, JBL. You're not even paying for it. You get it for free. But but commentary aside, this this is truly Truly fantastic. And the crowd start chanting, this is awesome. Yeah, that oh, was that was really cool. And, so cool. And then The Rock goes, finally, The Rock has come back to New Orleans, to WrestleMania, and the Superdome. <laughs> the Superdome. <laughs> and the Superdome chant gets going. Austin is pissing his pants <laughs> laughing. Hogan turns around, he points over to him with his thumb, being like, this guy, this, this jack over here. It's a wonderful moment. It's so human. It feels real. Yeah. And again, I keep coming back 
to because if they a lot of this was obviously not scripted but here's the points you need to hit you need to go out there talk about how you're not just hall of this is essentially what rock says i don't see hall of famers across from me i see my childhood hero hulk hogan my friend stone cold steve yep. austin and then he says like a line someone's going to come out later tonight because of you know because of you saying eat your vitamins Take your vitamins. Yeah. Eat those vitamins. Snort eat, them. Eat your prayers. Snort your yeah. Eat your prayers. Snort your vitamins. Someone's going to come out to fight for hustle, loyalty, and respect. Boo! Uh, because you know the crowd. We didn't like John Cena back then. They must have seen that coming as well. But like that—that's all scripted. Uh, yeah, and, and, I, I know. But, but that's what I mean. Don't tell the Rock yeah, to say yeah, that yeah. then. But the but Hogan. I mean, it, it works continuity-wise because they. You know, made up two WrestleManias beforehand yeah. with Rock Cena. Or was it three? No, it was the previous year. Uh, uh, what would have been 20, 20, what would have 28, been 29? 28. Yeah, what, what happened at 29 then? You, you fill the time. Uh, I'll, and, I'll Google. But it's all because of Hogan screwing up that they can all make a joke. At no, this, it was the last year's Mania. Oh, oh, this genuine slip-up that Hogan made. It just makes it really human. Uh, and then he says, which gets a much bigger reaction... If Austin didn't stand up to the authority or Vince McMahon back in the day, you know, now you've got Daniel Bryan. So yeah. it, was a, it was a really nice way to get all this heat transference from these legends, pass it on to John Cena. <laughs> yeah, and the crowd launched into huge yes chance at the mention of Daniel Bryan because really that is what they wanted to do all mm. night long. And Rock starts saying that, like, hey, like, do you notice how there are so many babies that are born nine months after WrestleMania? It's because of people like us, and we create little rock babies, and it's a very weird line. And then there's a, and then there's a rap that is so much better than Cena's gimmick. It's so much better than the Thugonomics spoken word poetry. And I was like, oh, I think this is what people think John Cena's gimmick is. This is actually great, though. Mm. Um, and everyone does their catchphrases. Hogan makes fun of himself uh, making the error, and they all drink beer. And as they're drinking beer... Michael oh, Cole no. says, oh, my, this might be the worst line of the night. Michael Cole says, get your Instagram accounts ready. W what? Oh, that's, I had, I said amazing until Cole says, perhaps the greatest WrestleMania moment of all time. It's like, I really enjoyed <laughs> the segment, but now you're making, you're putting me in a position where I have to say, no, yeah. it wasn't the greatest WrestleMania moment of all time. Get your Instagram accounts ready, folks. Uh. What do you even mean? Like, that's not how Instagram works, you donut. I don't even use Instagram and I know that. I thought it was it was an awesome moment. It put a huge smile on my face. My uh, then girlfriend, so confused. She has no <laughs> scooby. Bear in mind, this goes half an hour. Yeah. This goes very, very long. She had a Scooby-Doo what was going on. She recognized The Rock, and she recognized Hogan, but she didn't know why they were there or why that was a big deal. So very, very interesting. Uh, Austin has beers with all of them. The music plays. He doesn't stunner anyone for a change. <laughs> His uh, knees are shot to hell, man. Out. And then they cut back to the commentators. And I can just see Dr. Chris Aman, uh just mm. to the, uh, the the right of the commentary desk, probably handing out some Z-Packs. I, I didn't see uh, Chris Aman here. I just could only see the radioactive pond water <laughs> that is Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, it is prominent on their yeah. desk. Every commentator <laughs> had their own bottle 
of bright, luminous green Mountain Dew. I'm sure it's refreshing. It's probably more refreshing than water is when you need to do commentary for four hours straight. Hey, look how cool those beers that Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock and Hulk Hogan just enjoyed in the ring together. They are Bud Lights, which are gross. Now look at our luminous soft drinks. Honestly. Honestly. My NXT rookie is Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan? You gotta be kidding me! You haven't been in the WWE for a minute. How are you gonna become a star in the WWE? But where's your personality? Where's your charisma? Answer your critics! You haven't done anything in the WWE! Ever since I could remember Everything inside of me Just wanted to fit in WWE Universe is becoming a believer in Daniel Bryan. I get the feeling just because everything I touch isn't dark enough. That this problem lies in me. I'm only a man with a cable got me. I'm taking a step to escape what's inside me. A monster, a For one reason only, it proves that when I step in this ring, there is nobody better than Daniel Bryan! Daniel Bryan has never held the gold. Could tonight be Daniel Bryan's night? It is my job to ensure the best product for everybody. I did what I did to ensure the future of WWE. Daniel Bryan is not the man we want. He is not the face of the WWE. The authority, they don't want Daniel Bryan. Cold, hard fact of life. Some guys get to the top, some guys don't. Daniel, not everyone can be WWE championship material. You're like what, five foot eight? 200 pounds? You are a B B plus plus. player. That's a good little spot for you, Daniel. I protected Daniel Bryan for all of you. He is just not good enough to succeed. You don't listen to these people. You don't listen for their obvious desire to see somebody like me succeed. We are not going to take it anymore. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Don't you disrespect my family's name. The only way we will ever get you to listen is if I beat the crap out of you at WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan's handcuffed! Let go of me! I am getting tired of your little fantasy crap. Pathetic yes movement. You want to fight me in WrestleMania? You're on. With these people, I am stronger than ever.
We have the power. There is no yes movement. That video package is awesome. Goosebumps. I'm yeah. like the rock showing my arm to you. Goosebumps, that was. Yeah, the whole monster thing. I just think it's so, so Turn cool. Turn to a monster. Yeah, a monster. It's really, really cool stuff. I can see why a lot of people say it's one of the best video packages they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. I, w- I wouldn't say it's one of the best, uh, but it's definitely top 50. <laughs> WWE put out a lot of great video packages. That they do. That is undoubtedly true. They do put out a lot of great video packages. But I really like it. Like it, it kind of, it's it's Cole saying that he's the unlikeliest of stars and heroes, mm. and it's showing his beginnings in NXT and even stuff from the indie days. Yeah, and what was that footage from? ROH. I'd guess ROH. Yeah, because they had a a quite close working relationship with ROH back in those days. Yeah, particularly about getting footage because yeah. they had it in like on the Punk DVD that they did as well. They had loads of ROH stuff on there. Um, and then you got shot to Brian proving everyone wrong because it's like, oh, it's the Miz was his mental, which everyone at the time thought was a big rib. And it was him talking about, hey, you're captain, no personality, and you'll never be a WWE superstar because I'm the Miz and, and this, that, and the mm. other. And you got heel Cole and things like that. And then they show there was that segment they did on Raw where they had every WWE champion, every previous WWE champion in the ring. And the crowd hijacked that segment. Oh, yeah. By just chanting for Daniel Bryan. You can see, actually, as, as, funny enough, I paused this video partway through because I was taking notes. You can see Steph corpsing. Like, you can see her break character and start to laugh at this ginormous reaction that Daniel Bryan's getting. That's fury. What you're seeing there is fury. They didn't want this to happen. I I, I don't know, man. Brian's I, laughing. Brian's, Brian's loving it. it. It is. And you got like Rey Mysterio raising his hand and Mark Henry raising yeah, his hand yeah. and things like that. Mark Henry raising the hand, though, is very much, here you go, I've raised the hand now. Can we get on with the damn segment? <laughs> I disagree, man. It's I, a begrudging I, raising the hand. I think Triple H no-selling it was so, so good. I don't think people give Triple H enough credit for this feud. I, I, I will... Stand by my word, this was never the plan. Absolutely, 100%, this was never the plan. But at no point does Triple H ever break his character in this. And I think he is the perfect Mm. heel villain character for Brian in this scenario. Yeah, because this was before Triple H was NXT daddy beloved Triple H that we have now. Yeah, he was involved in in NXT at the time. Uh, But NXT was not the... Well, this has been 2014, so mm. it, was, it was this year that NXT really started to take off because it was on the network then and people were watching on a weekly basis as opposed to, you could only see it if you were in Germany or like mm. it was on Sky Sports at like four in the afternoon. But back then, Triple H was very much, in our eyes, part of this author. He was one of the people keeping Brian down. Exactly. And now we see him as the person who, you know, tries to protect people against Vince McMahon's visions. Yeah, I, I think that he's really, really great in this feud and they, they cut out... Um, yeah, it's, it's weird as well because they sort of like... They cut out things like Brian winning the belt and Triple H screwing him over to, to give it to Orton. And then you, they kind of... They, they basically... They tell a very good retelling of this history of being like, yep, this all started at SummerSlam last year and it's played a very natural progression to this point. We're cutting out all the stuff where he joined the Wyatt family, but, you know, that that's not important. God, right? And yeah. him losing at the Royal Rumble. We're not talking about any of that stuff because we were building Bray Wyatt for John Cena. But if you look at SummerSlam and here, then it all makes perfect sense. Yeah, not just losing 
no, he won. At, you mean he won against the Wyatt family at Royal Rumble? No, he lost to Bray Wyatt at the Royal Did Rumble. Did he really? Yeah. Oh my god. Because they were building Wyatt for Cena, so you had to have Bray Whoa. Wyatt win. Yeah, but then we all thought he was going to come out in the Royal Rumble match, yep. but it was Batista. All that's cut out and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So yeah, they do a very good retelling. It's a bit like the. Um, we said this about the the Mania main event this year, WrestleMania 35, where it's like, this has been weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of nonsense and mostly nonsensical storylines. But when they do the video package before it, they'll just ignore all of that and present them as three legit fighters. And you'll be like, okay, cool, now I'm into this. They are the North Korea of wrestling, <laughs> of video editing. They, oh. can, they can cut a load of stuff out, and it, it's essentially propaganda. Yeah, more or less. Uh, I'm just quickly double-checking my points here. Yeah, Bray Wyatt defeated Daniel Bryan in mm. 21 minutes and 30 seconds. I just assumed <laughs> Bryan won. Well, no, because... Yeah. No, Daniel... no, you're totally right. Now I look back on it. Because yeah. Daniel Bryan didn't have a storyline. He wasn't supposed to be part of WrestleMania this year. He was supposed to be on the, the pre-show. In my mind, Bray loses every major feud he's ever been in at the end. Oh, we'll get on to that. Yeah. Um <laughs> And you got like Brian being called the B plus player, the yes movement, the Occupy Raw thing. And then you had almost a mirror of what we had last month in the Kurt Angle Eddie Guerrero feud, mm. where Brian was handcuffed and then Triple H beat him down. Yeah. And he took a pedigree with his handcuffs, his hands cuffed behind his back. Yeah. That must suck. Absolutely, it must suck. And, um,. Yeah, it's it's amazing that five years ago we had this storyline that WWE doesn't listen to his fans, and then they felt the need to repeat that storyline again in 2018. It's almost as if things don't change. Mm. I just, but just uh, one last thing on the video package. Uh, I de- the shots side by side of this almost evolution of Brian over last five years, mm. from like you said, from the indie days. Then he's got the short hairstyle. Then he's then it's longer. Then there's a big beard, and just like. You feel like you've been on a journey with him. Mm-hmm. And although he hasn't changed as a person, he has grown. And yeah, it, it is it is very good. It is an excellent video package. And um, we'll, we'll get into the... Well, let's talk about the entrances first, and then we'll, we'll crack on with this. Because by the time the actual bell rings, we're about 36 minutes into the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Steph is announced... But it was all good. It, it was, was all great. Good. All, all great, great stuff. Yeah, I'm, yeah, not, I'm yeah. not complaining. Yeah. yeah, so we had two very good video packages and that wicked segment with Austin Rock and Hogan. Um, and Steph is announced as a, a principal owner of WWE, a mm. title I don't believe she holds now. I, I don't know what she is now. I think they make She's it the up chief on the brand day. officer. She's chief coordinating officer of uh, brand exe- commissioner. Vice president, yeah. yeah. And she, uh, but it, I, I just thought she was dressed as Zatanya. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she uh, she introduces Triple H. This isn't quite the match he had against Roman Reigns, where she was like a mad dictator standing mm. above, like on a giant stage, Ooh. screaming at everyone. But she was very much introducing Triple H here, and Triple H then comes out in full King of Kings, Skull King mode, flanked by Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair, and Sasha Banks. Mm. Who'd have thunk that? A few years later, one of those women would be in the main event of WrestleMania. And the other one would be trying to leave the company. <laughs> yeah. And the other one barely wrestles because of uh, loads of concussions well, she's sustained. The other one brought out Hulk Hogan for, yes. uh, for her hosting duties. I thought of all of them, Sasha Banks looks so different. Yeah. Is it a hair color thing? I think she so, d- yeah. It looks like she's got a different face. Well, she's wearing a big mm. skull they thing. They all are, though, but yeah. I definitely recognize the other two. And I know he's like Skull King 
talking about, but he, he just looks like Skeletor. Like a really rubbish plastic version of Skeletor. The throne was a bit goofy. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm still, like I've written here, this doesn't tie in thematically with Stephanie as a butler in the buff. Like <laughs> I just think, why is she dressed in this kind of sexy half lady tuxedo suit? I don't know. Introducing a king, like a, a sort of old fashioned well, Skeletor. Yeah, Skeletor. Yeah. Um, I also laughed as well because you can see Bliss and Banks bump into each other. Like, oh, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. That's the source of the heat. The rumoured <laughs> feud between the two. I um, I described this as wonderfully wacky. Uh, King called it awesome, which mm. means that it really wasn't. Yeah. But I don't think it was as lame as WrestleMania 35's entrance. No, no, nowhere or, or close. Or the Terminator one. Yeah. So this was, yeah. And then like, because the, all, all the throne stuff is actually quite brief comes out on the throne and then the lights cut out Dun! time to play the- yeah and it, the lights come up and he's, he's there and it's regular so i and then that was it was quite quick after that of, of all the triple h entrances this isn't the worst no absolutely and you got cole writing down all the people that triple h has beaten in the past and why brian on paper does not stack up and the crowd just immediately burst into yes chance and that was when i thought if I could be part of any mm. one, if I could be at one WrestleMania from my lifetime, it would be this one. Yeah, I think it would have been so good. The reaction's incredible for Brian. It's this sometimes happens in big, real, like big feel main events, and it's so smart having the heel come out first because the heel will come out, their music stops, and then you've just got like a, about twenty seconds before the baby faces music begins. And that's where the anticipation of the crowd starts to take over. Yeah. And they're already chanting yes. My, like my spine's already tingling. And then Brian's music hits. Yeah, that he comes down. And he is just... Because he, he goes down the, this very long ramp doing the yes taunt. The whole floor of the stadium yeah. are doing it with him. It is a incredible sight. It's absolutely breathtaking. It mm. really is. So I um, I love this match. Absolutely loved it's this a great match. match. This is spectacular. And I think that it's not just it's a great match. I think every single person in this match plays their role perfectly. Mm. I think Brian is the perfect underdog. I think Triple H is the perfect cocky heel. I think Steph is perfect on the outside in her role. And, and I won't say this very often, I think the commentators all do their roles very well. Maybe not King, yeah. but I think JBL is perfect as this guy who's just like, he's Daniel, he can't win, he's the game, he can win, you know, and all of this. And you've got Michael Cole saying like, look, on paper, this doesn't make sense. But Daniel Bryan has got something in him and he's got incredible crowd reaction behind him that I think can get him through this match. And you've got King Rhea and they're going like, ha ha, I think he's going to win. Blah, blah, blah. I think that every single person in this whole scenario plays their role perfectly. Well, I'm glad you liked the commentary. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, JBL keeps on going back to the... He looks like a goat line. He's a troll. I could, he's yeah, a I garden could, I, I could do without all that, yeah. Uh, King doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, and Cole's Michael Cole. So, yeah, I thought the commentary was as bad as it is throughout the entire show. I would say the crowd. I would, I would just ignore yes. 
the crowd play their part absolutely perfectly. yes that was the one i did forget yes. the crowd absolutely played their role in this perfectly booing everything that triple h does and cheering everything that brian does and i think triple h plays off it so brilliantly and i think him and steph together are such a good act in this match i re i'm I, i'm not the biggest stephanie mcmahon fan but i uh, stephanie uh, a mcfan but I do think she is great in this match. There was There's one thing we haven't talked about, and that is, in addition to all of this underdog story, you've got to wrestle twice in one night, potentially, there is also a massively taped-up shoulder yes. on Brian. Yeah. He's selling the shoulder injury from the get-go. I think it was from the raw beatdown when, when Triple H threw him into the ring post. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's just like, it's a big target. And you can see that throughout the match. It's, and, and that's what the match is really based around. Yeah. It's Triple H working over that shoulder. It's really great psychology. I also love right at the start of the match, Triple H offering the handshake. It's such a dick move. It's so great. And the crowd proper boom. And Brian kicks away the hand to this great crowd reaction. And JBL just goes, how disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. And they, that, that's a great start. And the crowd is so loud for it. Yeah. And I thought, like, as I was watching it, it's nice seeing Triple H in a wrestling match. Yeah. Like so many matches he has these days are smoke and mirrors because either he's working with someone who's older than him or even more part-time or he's just like, you know, he is old. Now yeah. And he can't really go as well as he used to, so he relies on stuff like hardcore spots. And there are a few bits in here they get on top of the table, but... This largely, it's mostly in the ring. It's and mo- it's just yeah, Brian yeah. versus Triple H. And it's, uh, you got like, Brian kicks him out the ring and then he offers out the handshake and Triple H is really rattled by it. But Michael Carr has this really weird line where he says that uh, Triple H is the, quote, much larger of the men. And I went to Google to find out about this. Triple H is only 20 centimeters taller than Brian. That's quite would, a lot. Would though. you say that's much taller? 20 centimeters? Yeah. So it's like an, an inch. It's, it's like, like two a- inches. 20 centimetres? Yeah. Then that's that's like 20 millimetres you're talking about. 20 centimetres... That's 200 millimetres. ...is like an entire head. It's still not like much larger than men. This isn't Rey Mysterio versus Giant Gonzalez. I, th- I think that's as... I don't think not, that's much larger. I think that's a valid comparison. 20 centimetres to inch. Oh, it's seven inches. Actually, yeah, that's 20 centimetres. Yeah, yeah. much. It's, it's bigger than I was expecting. It's the size of my flaccid penis. <laughs> Weirdly, it goes to three when it's erect. A curse. <laughs> well, uh, to use a Jerry, uh, Jerry the King Lawlerism, uh, like the kid in orthopedic shoes, I stand corrected. I feel sorry for that kid who copied your maths homework. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Brian does some kicks and uh, Triple H grabs one of them and hits the dragon screw. Um, and they do some like Brian style. And they, I, I really like Steph on the outside, just like mm. screaming. Like she's screaming at Triple H, but also screaming at Brian saying like, you're never going to win. Yeah. You're never going to win. You're a B plus player at best. Uh, it was really, really good. And Triple H even goes over to kiss Stephanie at one point when Brian's selling on the outside. Yeah. During like one of the, there's quite a few count out spots where Triple H just milks all the heat up in the ring. Yeah. Brian's selling outside. And Triple H starts clearing off the table. And that was where I spotted that Ricardo Rodriguez mm. is on Spanish commentary. Yes. He'll be introduced a bit later on. Um, and there's a, a moment where he, he, like, Triple H grabs. Brian, because they were going to do like a table spot, but Triple H gets down and he just yanks Brian's arm downwards. And Brian takes this incredible bump on the table. 
and it feels like it rips the arm out of his socket. Yeah. And Triple H, the first thing he does, rolls into the ring, tells the referee to start yeah. counting. Like a proper knob. It's so great. I mean, that the way Brian took that bump, some of the moves he does later, like there was a, where was it? He, uh, yeah, like <clears throat> really early on in the match, Brian hits this tornado DDT on Triple H off the apron. Then he runs up to the top rope, hits a senton off the top yeah. rope, hardly touches Hunter and just crashes into the barricade. And the commentary team are like, ah, oh, Triple H dodged that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Brian overshot. And I just thought, Brian is a lo- was a lunatic back then. Oh, yeah. I really forgot how much he throws himself into his moves. Yeah. Even, like, I remember when he started wrestling again. Uh, it was not at WrestleMania, but, like, the weeks after WrestleMania. And we were all like, man, I forgot how great it is to see Brian wrestle. He is like times two yeah. the ferocity back then. And also there's that like remember when he got cleared to wrestle and the first thing he did was start doing those running drop kicks on Brian uh, on um, Owens and Zayn. He was mm. landing on his head every single time he did and I was like, "Oh, this is not going to last long." This is it is very lovely that he's been cleared to wrestle, but if he carries on like this, it is not going to last yeah, forever. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. Well, we'll see absolutely. Yeah, that might date this uh, conversation I suppose. Um I love that uh, Brian locks in the chicken wing to huge Daniel Bryan jumps. And and this is actually where I will give credit to King. He does a great job of getting that move over. Hmm. Of being like, look, guys, I know it seems like a, a really goofy move because it's called the chicken wing. But that is a really difficult move to get out of. And it takes a lot out of you as a wrestler. Um, and then Triple H gets his own submission in with a cross face to huge booze. And this crowd wants to see nothing but Brian winning this match. There were two crossface spots there were, from yes. Triple H in this match. He was the guy that brought it back. Yeah, and then uh, that there's a bit where you know there's that there was a a Brian Brian got up and did a flying headbutt, which Triple H counted into a crossface. I was yeah. like, what is? What? Are we are we allowed to say the word? Yeah, now, this was um, very Benoit esque. It was only a few. It was a couple of years later, I think, that Triple H started to use the crossface as a way to like. Yeah, we're we're using this move again. We're gonna just pretend that it was not a Benoit move. It's now it's now a Triple H move, mm. uh, and he's just gonna do That's it. That's what now. I think when I think Triple H submissions, <laughs> the crossface. Brian starts making his comeback, but like Triple H just keeps shutting it down, and the crowd are so into all of this. And then he, Brian, in the middle of this sort of comeback, the Triple H keeps trying to stop. Hits this fascinating, incredible German suplex. Yeah, so it was like a, a double underhook. But is that the one? It might not be the double underhook one, but he hits this German suplex where he basically doesn't leave his feet. It's all in his hip movement Uh, to get over this much larger man, as (laughs) as Michael Cole might say. It's it's beautiful. Like he popped those. It was like Taz. It was fantastic. Uh, but Triple H is a big suplex of his own. And it's at this point, I thought Steph was mic'd up. Or at least she was going towards where the microphone yeah, was. Yeah, I think that's what they've got a directional mic pointing at her. Yeah, absolutely. Because she is. like You can hear her so clearly yeah. throughout this match. Uh, Triple H tries for a superplex, but Brian fights back and hits a sunset flip powerbomb. And then starts hitting his running kicks. And Triple H sells this third one. Well, he shuts it down, rather. By charging out of this corner with this enormous clothesline. Yeah, he decapitates him. Absolutely. And JBL just shouts, take that garden gnome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you, I, I loved it. I, I, I could have done with less of <laughs> it. 
But I loved it because that's that's the role that JBL's supposed to be playing here. We're not meant to agree with JBL here. We're meant to mm. think that he's an idiot for saying these stupid things and we're going to prove him wrong with our yes movement lark. I, I think it's great because the yes chance starts to take over the arena at this point. Oh, yeah. So, like, Brian... Right, the, the, then that's when the cross-face spot and the, the flying headbutt happens. And Brian reverses that cross-face into the LaBelle lock. Yeah. Or is it called the Yes lock at this point? I think it might point? have been the Yes lock at this point. But, and this is when Triple H sells it so well. Yeah. He is scrambling and yelling. He looks frantic. He yeah. doesn't look like the sort of... Like, when I think of Triple H, I think Triple H was like, I'm going to protect myself. I'm yeah. really big and strong. But actually... No, that's part of the way to get people over when he actually does sell and he just gets to the rope. He rolls outside to recover. And that's when Daniel Bryan does his, like, this is a classic Bryan sequence of moves. This is his five moves of doom from John Cena. So, like, crazed, two crazed, frantic suicide dives. They are so stiff looking. Then kicks on the barricade. Looks great. Missile drop kick off the top rope. And then he's down. It's a double down. Kip, Kip up. up. Uh, yes, kicks. And then he hits the final kick, which he very rarely does. Yeah. And JPL shouts, something is not right about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And the crowd are chanting, this is awesome. And it, it really is. And then they're chanting, yes, for the knee, because he's setting it up. Yeah. But then Triple H counters with a spine buster off of this running knee. Yeah. And then the pedigree. And even though I know the result of the match, the cr- as soon as the pedigrees hit, the crowd boo. Yeah. Because I, th- I think they're booing the company for booking Triple H to beat Brian. Absolutely, they, that's it. They and I legit bought in to the fact that WWE were going to screw up this booking. They yeah. weren't booing the bad guy winning. They were booing the company being inept. So when he kicks out, when Brian kicks out... It is amazing. <laughs> it's emotionally amazing. There was, um, I remember Brian Alvarez was talking about um, live reactions from two previous WrestleManias. It was the, 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 the double bill they did with Triple H and Undertaker. And there were time, There was when Triple H hit the tombstone on The Undertaker and he did the big pose and everything. Yes. And he said it's one of his most favorite like, live reactions because every single person in the arena thought, of course Triple H is winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, course yeah. Triple H is going to be the one to break the streak. That's the amazing spot where Triple H like scurries back yeah. when he's... Oh, yeah, that's, and that's, that's and I, I think it's a credit to Triple H there. Mm-hmm. It's, it is systematic of the, yeah, he was booked to be on top for so long that we now just intrinsically think that he is going to be the one to mess everything up. But I think he's also, he then uses that as part of his matches. He knows that that's how people think, uh, fans think about him. So he's like, we need to do a spot in this match where it basically looks like I'm going to win and this company is inept and they're going to completely screw up this booking and the crowd will lap it up and they'll completely buy into it. Which really works for a heel. Not so much for not John much, Cena. Not so much. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll, we'll come on to John <laughs> Cena. Um, and they, it's such a protected move, that pedigree. Mm. That I think kicking out of it really does mean Especially a lot. Especially back then, like yeah. five years ago, even more. And Steph just starts yelling, do it again. Just <laughs> do it again. And then Brian locks in a small package. Well, before then, Triple H just goes crazy and he throws Brian into the corner and starts unloading. That's after the small package. Oh, is that after the small package? Yeah. And he's kind of snapped. Yeah, he's lost it. Yeah, but then the the referee's like, no, I'm going to have to DQ you, so Triple H stops. And I thought that's such a nice selling of the strategy. Like Even here, he's so calm, he's so collected, and he's the cerebral assassin. He can... 
I'm going to win it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it does not work because he blocks, uh, Brian blocks an attempt of the uh, pedigree and then uh, Triple H tries to grind him down. Brian kicks Triple H and starts rocking him. He misses the second kick uh, and then Triple H backdrops him off the back of that, but Brian lands on his feet, hits the running knee for the one, two, three. It only took one running knee to put Triple H away. Mm. And the crowd explodes. Yeah, I would say... The crowd's sustained pop, which is not just a pop when there's an entrance music or a pop on a spot. This was like three minutes of sustained people going crazy. And I think it's for two reasons. Number one, Brian won. But number two, to your point earlier, they were like, oh, good. WWE yeah, are not yeah, going to yeah, mess yeah. this up. We are going to see you <laughs> win tonight. And uh, I, it's, it's not louder than the music because they play the music so goddamn loud. But it is on par yeah, with the music. Really and that's is. something. And Steph's selling of the finish is so great. You've got Cole calling it the biggest upset in Mania history. Steph gets in the ring, she starts slapping Brian, and he just smiles at her. Yeah. A smile that just says, I told you. I'm I, a B plus player, right? Yeah, am I? I told you I was yeah. going to win. And then Triple H attacks him from behind. He goes after the chair. He wraps the chair around the post and hits him with a. Uh, the steel chair and Steph plays the mean girl so well she just goes and goes oh so sad oh she's so detestable I think she plays that role brilliantly Cole just says Triple H is embarrassed mm. he's embarrassed that he lost that match and that's why he snapped but at the same time you know they they are they are very well established as the owners of the company yeah and the most powerful man in WWE and to their motivation, they want to protect WWE from this B-plus player, Daniel Bryan, fronting the organization. Exactly. So yeah. it's not just a frustration thing. It's, no, this was, like, I would always believe Triple H would have a backup plan if he lost. Yeah. And this is the backup plan because his boys are in the main event. Exactly. His evolution boys are in the main event. And, and then... it's, it's such, it, sorry to cut you off. It's sorry. like a... I love shows that have a night-long storyline. Yeah. And you, you start that off with the win, and you add another layer of complexity to it with this beatdown afterwards. Like, as if he needed to be any more of an underdog. Yeah. And you do that without jumping the shark. Like, if all of a sudden he's arrested or he's suspended <laughs> after this match, you've gone too far, but this was... This was perfect. Absolutely, yeah. And you can see Dr. Christopher Mann helping Daniel Bryan. You can almost hear him say, it's all right, I've got a Z-pack. I'll, 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 I'll sort you out, mate. It's absolutely fine. Uh, the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer, would say, uh, he called it a classic match. Uh, he would say, with the exception of Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, this was probably the best pay-per-view opening match in WrestleMania history. Four and a quarter stars. God, I forget that that was an opening match. Yeah. What a long night WrestleMania 13 was after that, then. <laughs> That is a crap show. <laughs> yeah, isn't, isn't it just crikey? Um, the figure four daily, uh, it's done by Vinny V uh, in this month because Brian was just writing up. Because the other thing as well about this show is that the Brian win ended up being almost like the third biggest story coming out of WrestleMania mm. because you've got the Undertaker streak ending and Ultimate Warrior dying. So all of a sudden, like, the, in the Wrestling Observer, the review for WrestleMania is so far down because he's got to do the big warrior obituary and he's got yeah. to talk about... He goes into great detail on the streak and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, you've got to scroll for, like, three minutes to be able to find the actual review. Well, the streak is almost an obituary in itself. Exactly. And, and he actually has always, one. Yeah, yeah. Goes, goes deep into And it, he can then start talking about Bruno San Martino, which, that, I mean, that's five paragraphs there, yeah. if, if anything. Montreal Screwjob, Touch of and... <laughs> Um, the Von Eriks, world-class <laughs> wrestling. I never saw... The, the Meltzer, stay on topic! 
Uh, so it's Vinny V doing these reviews. And it's quite an interesting take as well because he was there for it live, but also rewatched the show for mm. the review. So he's got like two perspectives that he gives throughout. Um, but he's, he says in his review, uh, Cole was pushing that a win for Brian would have been the biggest upset in WrestleMania history. In hindsight, it wasn't the biggest upset of this show. This was even better the second time around. Just an outstanding match that changed every, uh, changed and developed along the way, going 25 plus minutes and not wasting a single second. Four and a half stars. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Even today, I yeah. think it's still a four and a half star. Absolutely, match. yeah. And Pro Wrestling Torch, Wade Keller, really good opener with just the right pace. Hunter delivered, really good drama. Great, great crowd reaction. Stephanie was effective at ringside. Brian is spectacular. Four stars. Foley sucks. <laughs> four the Rock stars. would not promote this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Four stars from Wade Keller. He is. He is. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Uh, we get Michael Cole making fun of Hulk Hogan uh, getting the building name wrong, um, which I also I almost start to think that Jerry the King Lawler forgot about because he almost corrects him. Like, mm. no, no, King, that's that's the joke, mate. You were literally here for that joke. Lawler doesn't even pay attention to the shows he's commentating on. Absolutely so not. No. How, how can you expect? He's fascinated by the green ooze that's in front of him, thinking it's going to give him power. Mm. I think they just put on his little monitor, classic. Clips of divas. <laughs> you're gonna say, like, just to Memphis keep him right. And then they feed him lines to say. And yeah. he's like, oh! <laughs> uh, right, coming up next, it is a uh, much shorter match than uh, the mm. one we had previously. I think it's, it's one of the shorter matches on the show. And not built up at all. Nope, it is the New Age Outlaws and Kane versus The Shield. But you wouldn't know that from the entrances because the New Age Outlaws come out and say that they're here to, you know, they're part of the authority and they're going to teach the Hounds of Justice a lesson in humility. And then the shield come out and then Kane comes out. And I'm like, what is the match? Who is facing who in this match? Yeah, the the shield looked awesome. Oh, it looks so cool with their big masks on everything. Skull face masks. Dean looks like a different person. Yeah. Well, I guess he was because we got prison Dean for the last year. But he's there with the United States title. Feels like such a big deal. So the Shield debuted late, tw- no, August 2013. Yes. So this is their first WrestleMania. and I think it's their second WrestleMania. Th- is that so? I, I thought, I thought they I said. Was it 2012 I, they debuted? I thought commentary said that this was their second WrestleMania. I'm just doing a quick Google Live on air. Trying to think what they would have done I at WrestleMania get, 29. Uh, oh, yeah, The Shield uh, defeated Big Show, Randy Orton, <laughs> and Sheamus, which is probably why you'd forget about that, because who would remember that match? Well, that's just going to support my argument even more, then. Yeah. It's like The Shield have been cursed <laughs> with Frank and team matchups that mean nothing since their conception. Yeah. And I love the Brian Kane and Ryback TLC match, The Shield's first match yeah. on pay-per-view. It's outstanding. But it is Brian Kane and Ryback. Yeah. That is not a coherent entity. Absolutely not. They've only had one actual feud against a genuine faction, and that would have been the Wyatt family. And, and it was one of the best feuds of the last 10 years. Absolutely, yeah. You could argue as well they did have a feud with Evolution, because um, that comes after this. Mm. But that was very much a short-lived thing, and it was just done because Batista was on his way out, and then, and this is crazy to think, particularly with the outcome of this match and the way that it's done, the shield will be broken up in two months' time. Yeah. Because Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins turns heel on this group in two months mm. after this point. I and, didn't even think of that. And this, they've only just turned babyface. Like, they and didn't this even... is their last... Re- their two WrestleMania matches in that first run were those two. Fra- against Franken teams. And it's a real shame because they are... 
arguably the best faction that WWE have created in the last 10 years. Mm. Like they, they were so well protected. They were so well pushed. And they had these amazing matches. They were just outstanding. But actually, they didn't have a lot of... They didn't have any big WrestleMania moments. You could argue that this is a big Mania moment, but this is, it means nothing because two months later, it's all over. Seth and Roman certainly have independently of the Shield. And I think WWE like to chuck that all into the Shield mythology. But really, in that original chapter, yeah, yeah, very mishandled. And although I am a big fan of the Shield squashing the New Age Outlaws and Kane, which is exactly what happened here. Killing the Attitude Era? Yeah. I d- like, that, that only works in my head if they're still a faction next year and they finally get their big half an hour six-man classic tag. Yeah. Yeah, because I think them them breaking up in two months' time really is. And I remember, like, I watched uh, the the show that it was. I'm going to say it's Battleground, but I might be wrong on that. The one where they did um, Shield versus Evolution. I watched mm. that around a friend's house, and then I stayed over at his place to watch the Raw the following day. And I was just stunned that they broke the Shield up. And I was like, now? What, really? At this point? And I, we were just all my friends and I were discussing well now we've got Shield as a baby face we've got another like year and a half two year run oh, with yeah. them as baby faces now but no they they just pulled the trigger on it and, and split the group up and turned Seth heel it's, it, I think that is connected to the streak ending mm. Vince just gets these moods sometimes it seems where he's like no I'm going to change everything yeah and and that's what happened uh, yeah, this is very short. We did get a clip from SmackDown. Sorry, I, I, do you want well, to... I was going to say what you said. I thought it was Raw, but how it was, yeah, no video package, just Kane beating them up on Raw. And they say he was the... I think com- it was on SmackDown. If it, I, I don't care. <laughs> if he was the commissioner at well, the time? Because he's part of the authority, because this is like, this is Slack Pants Kane. This corporate is Corporate Kane. Kane. So I think he is just part of the authority, which means he's allowed to book matches. Because I've written here, he was the GM at the time, I just presumed. <laughs> uh, because he booked this match in some way, and they, they kind of alluded to that, that status on commentary. But then in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, later on, they do say Brad Maddox is the Raw general manager at this time. I don't remember that whatsoever. What's going on? <laughs> I don't remember that at all. But there's an even weirder line in that. I, I think it's SmackDown, but there's a weird line in that recap where they say, oh, Kane booked this match because he accused Jerry Lawler of helping Daniel Bryan. And I'm like, what? what's Jerry Lawler got to do with this? <laughs> anyway. um, yeah, and the Shield turned on Kane and then Kane set up this uh, a four-way tag. I've no idea who Seth was pinning. I, I said, it looks like Bobby Roode, but I know it's not. I think it's Jinder. It could be Drew. Swagger and Cesaro are there. I think the other team was Rybaxel. Mm, classic. Classic, classic team. Classic teams. era. Oh, well, this match is very short. Yeah. It is just shield, dominate, beat them all up. Lots of Superman punches. Roman Reigns is pushed like the absolute star of this match. He does everything in this match. And we loved him. We loved him back oh, then. Yeah. Spear on Kane. Yep. Spear on both the New Age Outlaws when they're back in the ring after a stereo Dean and Seth dive. And then it's the triple powerbomb on both, on both Gunn and James. Mm-hmm. So what's that? Is that a sextuple powerbomb? Uh, or is it just yeah. a quadruple powerbomb? Quintuple, really, because there's only five of them. Yeah, so it'd be quint. Quintuple. Quintuple powerbomb, yeah. But is it actually are, are all three men powerbombing two men, in which case it's three times two, 
the six. Oh, you're right. Yeah, which means it's a, th- a quint to a du- sex a du- a d- double. I, I call it a double bomb. triple power bomb in my in my notes. A knickerbocker glory. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and that that was it for the win. Yeah. This was quicker than a lot of the other things on the show. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, this from The Observer. Besides Undertaker, Billy Gunn was coughing up blood after the match. It was believed he was hurt on the finishing spot where the Shield did the triple-team powerbomb on he and Road Dog at the same time, which didn't look smooth. Based on things said on Raw, it appears the New Age Outlaws will be off television for a while as the six-man tag was their blow-off, uh, was the blow-off to their run. And now Road Dog's off to ruin SmackDown. Uh, well, um, a yeah, more a couple so, of years, couple of years time. Yeah, Twenty sixteen, yeah. that would be. Yeah, Billy Gunn would become an agent, and then he'd get fired and join All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, for a weird, he was, he was. Do you remember what that was for? I don't remember. Yeah, this, yeah. so he was. I think he was a trainer down in NXT, and he failed. Uh, well, he, I th- the report was that he was taking performance enhancers for a bodybuilding competition that he was in mm. and bodybuilding is you know it's a dirty sport it's it's kind of you've got two That's why different, loves it. yeah you've got two different competitions the one where everyone takes drugs and the one where no one takes drugs it's yeah. just the way it is so he was reportedly allegedly taking performance enhancers for for that but something that came out somehow so they fired him from his NXT trainer job yeah mm. so I, I can't remember the details it was a weird one yeah. it, it seemed like you know you gotta, you got to fall on your sword here. That sort of political yeah. release. Yeah, anyway, he's a WWE Hall of Famer now. I'm sure everything's fine. Mm. Um, yeah, it's crazy to think as well. This time next year, as in like at WrestleMania uh, 31, Seth would be a WWE champion. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's extremely cool that the Shield were put over so strongly over the Attitude Era stars. And Evolution as well, the following and, month. And the following month. But yeah, like the reason you do that is to build them up as a faction, not break them up as a faction. Absolutely, yeah. So, and, Great, well, not great, but cool in the moment. Very frustrating in hindsight. And you can tell that that wasn't the plan at this point because JBL says, well, this is their yard now. Mm. Yeah, pathetic. Uh, Wrestling Observer would say they rushed through the intros and rushed through the match two stars. Vinny V of the figure four would say, not much of a match, but as a way to make the shield look like stars might have been the best result. A star and a half. Uh, Wade Keller had nothing to say about it or a star rating. I want a rematch. Sorry, Sarge, you're not going to get one. Another Slam City WrestleMania victory for old Hacksaw. Oh! Who's next? A guy? What? Slam City. This dragon's breathing fire. I'll play you, Duggan. Bring it on, tough guy. I believe this belongs to somebody else now. What? What the? Hey, bring that back. Haven't you guys figured it out yet? Whether it's in the WWE or in Slam City, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. Uh, we then cut backstage and we see Sergeant Slaughter, Jim Duggan, and Danny Davis playing with action figures to promote Slam City. Slam City, yeah. Slam yeah. City, uh, for any of our younger listeners who don't remember what that is, it was a kids' WWE show 
it uh, Daniel Bryan, I believe, was the commissioner. Uh, he said it was the most fun he's ever had in the company, I think, at this point. Was it, all, it was all cartoon-based. There was a cartoon version, but there was also a actual wrestling version. No. Where, where you... But because it was a kid's show, you had to abide by certain laws. I mean, yeah, You, you yeah. couldn't, like, show slams or punches or things like that. I think Daniel Bryan was the commissioner or he was the commentator or something like that. But, yeah, they also had an animated version of it, which, oddly, we saw... When we did the Raw live stream, Raw After Mania live stream this year, mm. and they were just showing it on Sky Sports. Yes. Yeah, which, yeah, that animated one. It was kind of like a stop motion. Yeah. It kind of looked like Celebrity Deathmatch. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Again, you know, 15 years too late. But, you know, <laughs> they, finally, they finally got there in the end. Um, so, yeah, you see him then playing with toys, and Hog- uh, Hogan, Duggan wins, may as well be Hogan, Duggan wins, and Sergeant Soldier's very unhappy about it, and then Ricky the Dragon Steamboat comes in, and he says, I'm going to play with the toys instead, and then the toys get taken away, because Ted DiBiase purchased them, and he said, everyone's got a prize, <laughs> and then Ron Simmons walks in and says, damn. Yeah. There's your legends, everyone. <laughs> Um, not great. No. Um, this, this, it was a segment to plug something else, and it's not the worst backstage segment I've ever seen at, at a WrestleMania, but it is nowhere near as good as Bobby Heenan and uh, Mean Gene uh, making out with Moolah and May at Mania 20. That that one's won everything in terms <laughs> yeah, of uh, nostalgic cameos. Absolutely. This, this was... This was incoherent. Oh, and, and, and completely and incoherent. Sad. Yeah. Tragic, yeah. Uh, right, up next. Speaking of sad and tragic. <laughs> it is the first ever, ladies and gentlemen, Andre the Giant's Memorial Battle Royal. When we all thought this will be how they create new stars. Yeah, this the first. Become, this will become a big deal. Not the, we need to get everyone on the card. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, panic. Tag matches. Yeah. Do eight-man tags. No, there's not. We need more people than an eight-man tag. A battle royal, then. Yeah. Perfect. And they were doing battle royals, like on pre-shows and stuff. It's just they, this year they decided it's going to be for a trophy, and it's going to be in honor of Andre the Giant, and they're going to win a trophy, and we'll build new stars off the back of it, and we'll make it this really, really big deal. Yeah. There are 30 men in this battle royal. Um, and there, twenty-eight of them are already in the ring. Yes, when the camera cuts on. Yeah, and well, Big Show walks down because he he was really built as the the the, the lead, guy, the the favorite. Absolutely, everyone thought he was going to win because he's a giant. Yeah, and WWE are dumb. Of course, they'll do that mm-hmm. for just the picture of Big Show posing with the the giant giant trophy. Yeah. And then Seamus gets music. Get too many limes. Big Seamus yeah. comes out. He didn't get his match with Daniel Bryan, so they had to give him something. It's a shameful thing, Lobster Head. But he, yeah, <laughs> he does get an entrance. And I then, I was just looking at the ring, trying to work, like, see who I could spot. And I was like, oh, I can see Ray because he sat on a turnbuckle. I can see Carly because he's tearing up mm. everyone. I spotted Broders Clay and Mark Henry yeah. and Darren Young. And I was like... This is only five years ago, and it feels like a totally different company. I've written five years is a long time in wrestling. <laughs> Brad Maddox yeah, Brad, was the first Yo- person eliminated. I know Yoshi Tatsu was the first oh, was person he? eliminated. Oh yeah. my god, Yoshi Tatsu was in there. Yeah, Yoshi Tatsu is out. I spotted Dolph Ziggler. There's Goldust. Three MB. Uh, Kofi and Cody, and then uh, that's when I saw Jinder and Drew. Santino. Yeah, there's our truth and Biggie. Biggie, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston all in this yeah. match. Not as New Day. So weird. There's a spot where Biggie. He starts beating up Xavier Woods later on. I was like, what are you doing, mate? Leave yeah. him alone. The, the, yeah, so all of those people 
David Atunga's in there. Yep. Fandango's doing the dance, and that's over. And I'm like, okay, I've seen everything. Surely nothing else can surprise. What the hell? Damien Sandell's in there. <laughs> and I was just like, it was just so unceremoniously eliminated. Yeah. So many of these people who have gone on to, one of them found All Elite Wrestling. Yep. With just, just an afterthought. One of these men uh, is Jinder Mahal, who will be WWE champion in just a few. One of these men is The Miz, who headlined WrestleMania not that long ago. He was in the main event spot with John Cena and the <sighs> state of his hair. Oh, yeah. What is that all about? It's a throwback. Oh, isn't it? Just. Um, there's a really weird moment when, uh, when 3MB all get thrown out. And Jerry says that they were touring in China with the Wok Band recently. Nice one, Jerry. Oh, man. Can yeah. you take the man out of 1999? <laughs> Mark Henry takes out McIntyre and Jinder. It's incredible that both those men... Well, actually, will McIntyre be back in the company after a couple of years stint where he like completely reinvented himself and then came back as the Scottish cycle path? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jinder Mahal would be WWE champion. Heath Slater would have one of the best storylines coming out of the first brand splits. Mahal would also be released. Before rejoining, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah he, he came was. back for the brand split. Yeah, um, uh, in uh, August. Santino, if we haven't already said that, the yeah. Cobra came out there. I feel like there's there's a lot of big names in there. Even for this like 2014 WWE, you've already said the Miz. Sheamus was a pretty big deal back then. There's only six matches on the card, or something yeah. very short like that. Um, Justin Gabriel just spotted him, and, and mm. Damian Sandow. Um, Jerry says, and I quote, "This is great." He is wrong. Yeah, it's, it really is a cluster F. Oh, isn't it? Everyone's yes. in there tripping over each other. It's not aesthetically nice to look at. That's no, because there's 30 men in the ring. Yeah. Like, it's just that we need to get all these people out of here. Uh, Biggie is, is uh, he throws out Fandango, I think, or maybe Fandango got him out. Uh, Tunga's thrown out. Uh, Fandango, by the way, he beat Chris Jericho at the previous WrestleMania because that was meant to be Vince's mm. new favorite character and it was going to be this big push. Jericho was just there to put over Fandango. And it led to him being in this battle royal yeah. one year later. Oof. Uh, Sheamus hits him loads of times and he falls down. Um, show leaves Rey Mysterio alone. Like, he goes to, like, threaten him and then it's like, no, just, and walks away. There was a really good spot with... So, so Dolph has... Uh, no, it's not Dolph. Um, Cesaro just goes on this tear in the middle of the match. Because when, when a few bodies clear out it starts to get, to get brad manix out of there yeah a bit better <laughs> not we're not talking women's battle royal this year oh, no. which got really good in the last half this doesn't actually get good ever <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. but but apart there's from a, the end i'd say the end but, is good but that's just one spot like I, yeah. yeah it's good but it's a good finish but yeah. the match is not the good. match is not but cesaro's running wild he's just like killing people with these brilliant uppercuts kofi comes at him Current WWE champion Kofi Kingston, and he flips Kofi over his head, over the ring post, all the way outside. Somehow, Kofi does not break all his legs and lands feet first on the bottom step of the steel steps. God, that could have gone so wrong. And as he does that, he you know he sort of twists in midair so he can land with his feet and then take a back bump. Yeah. So he lands on his back on the ground and he's like, oh, my feet are still on. I'm like, how are you not dead? He's going to say, because if you'd have just got like half your foot 
on one of those steps, he'd have just buckled backwards because you wouldn't have had a flat surface to yeah. land on. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah, he's he's great, but that means he wasn't eliminated, and he yeah. comes back. He runs runs in and goes wild. A genuinely like a genuinely hot comeback that everyone's in off the back of that amazing spot, which is so weird in retrospect. Yeah, because you like that anyone if you just got behind them could be a big deal. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, As we now know. Uh, Tyson Kidd's also in this mm. match. Perhaps sad of all, Del Rio is in this match. Del Rio's in this match. Vinny V in his notes says, uh, <sighs> Del Rio did the disaster kick. I, in life, I thought it was Cody Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Del, Del Rio's sad in many different ways. Del Rio and Sheamus eliminate each other. Yeah. Future League of Nations. Oh, buddies. that's right. They would be. Yeah. Um, and we get like Ray does the 619. When Ray gets uh, dumped over, JBL like cheers and he's very happy about it. Like, because yeah. it's really funny. Up until this point, Cole and King say, like, well, you only hate Ray Mysterio because he retired you. And JBL's like, I don't hate Ray Mysterio. I've got nothing against Ray Mysterio. I think he's a great athlete. Yeah. As soon as he gets eliminated, he's like, ha ha, you got eliminated. Look, yeah, JBL is actually very, very funny. Yeah. I, some, sometimes he can be very, very... And th- that's unfair. 60% of the time, he's actually very good. Yeah. But 40% of the time, he's so unbearable mm-hmm. and mostly incorrect. That's why he's, he's so grating. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think you're wrong. Uh, Kofi uh, then gets caught in the swing and Cesaro just starts swinging him for a long, long time. Mm. JBL wants him thrown into the cheap seats. Like, he, he wants to throw him for miles. Jerry reckons that uh, Kofi's kid's going to be born dizzy. Hmm. Um, crowd boos show as he chokeslams Cesaro uh, Ziggler is somehow still in this of course he is but he never leaves rips his uh, top off yep. uh, and fires up got a pop for that because I guess Ziggler isn't that far removed from his big cash in on Del Rio that was no. what 2012 that was a huge maybe even 2011 uh, no I think 2012 do you want to google it live on air are you googling that I'm, I'm googling it yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's not. Fi- he was. He was not finished like he is today <laughs> yeah. in WWE. But uh, that, but again, he's just thrown out after that little bit, and it comes down to Cesaro versus Big Show. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. So just yeah, just. Well, I mean, twenty thirteen actually. He won the um the the belt because he won it in twenty twelve, didn't he? And then he held onto it for like ages. Well, that, I'm talking about that cash in really. Yes. So the cash in I think was, was in... twenty twelve. Yeah. So uh, two years before this. It was one year before this. This is 2014, wasn't it? Yeah. So in 2013, when he cashed in, was the Raw after WrestleMania? Oh, right. Oh, I thought you said he... Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So just just the year beforehand. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, but Cesaro and Big Show, the final two. Cesaro uppercuts Big Show, then Scoop slams him over the top rope to win. Yeah. Which is ge- genuinely amazing. It's ab- And the cr- when he lifts him up, the crowd rise to their feet. And say what you will about Vince McMahon, but he does know how impressive it is to see a small man slam a giant. And it's like, at WrestleMania 3, he knew it was a big deal then. And people are like, ah, wrestling's moved on. Fast forward, you know, 27 years later, and another what they do the exact same spot, and the crowd rose to their feet the exact same way that Hogan did when on, he slammed Andre. You can't beat the classic. You cannot beat the classic. And the crowd explodes when Cesaro wins because no one expected Cesaro to win. He was actually on the pre-show. He'd split from Jack Swagger early in the night with the... Um, what were they called? Real Americans. The Real Americans, yeah, because he's still got that amazing entrance music. Mm. Cesaro, doomed to always be in random tag teams with great music. I've been humming that <laughs> for the last two days. Yes. It gets stuck in your head. It's so great. 
this should have been the start of a major push. Yeah. Yeah, because the crowd were behind him. We like the cra- all the crowd loved Cesaro yeah. anyway. I think that's undoubtable. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with the 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 swing yeah. which people were really behind. And the real Americans got over we the people and all that stuff. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of real American signs in the crowd throughout the night. And just as we saw with Kofi this year, you just need a little bit more. You just need to follow that grain of momentum and see where it goes. And if it doesn't work out, hey, at least you tried. But don't just run it into the ground from the offset like what happened with Cesaro here. You say you, they run into the ground, but that would suggest that they did something. I don't think they did anything. Like they paired in, him with Paul Heyman pretty into- fast after this. I suppose, yeah. I was Which, say. you know, seems like a good idea, but for some, it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, uh, Jerry says, with a straight face, that was the most fun part of WrestleMania 30, uh, 30 so far. Mm. I'm like, mate, have we forgotten the Daniel Bryan when they get two matches ago? Yeah. JBL also says, Cesaro's slamming big show will be played for the next 50 years. <laughs> I've written, I don't think it was shown the following year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see that in the opening sting. Absolutely not, no, which is a shame. I also love the way that Cesaro, sell, like, like he sells how heavy the trophy mm. is. Like, he's like, really, like, squats down to pick it up. Michael Cole calls it a coveted trophy. I'm like, mate, no one's won it previously. You can't call it coveted. Dave Meltzer, it's surprised, you'll be surprised by this. Uh, stars. The finish was really good, playing off the Hogan Andre visual. Three stars from Dave Meltzer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Vinny, Vinny from the Figure Four. This was much better than most battle royals, as they took time throughout the match to clear space for two or three guys to hit big spots. Amazing finish, and Cesaro was instantly elevated to well the upper mid card. But that's still a big jump from a <laughs> random tag team. Three stars. Wade Keller would say they did a nice job of building up show as the inevitable winner. Yes, it was over the top for many adults who know how Vince worked, but it served a purpose to get Cesaro some great post-WrestleMania momentum as a hot new babyface, and it worked. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously very optimistic. (laughs) I think if I was writing about this match at the time, I too would have been a three-star person. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've written in my notes. We all thought this match was going to mean something. Mm. We all thought, like, this this is it now. This Every year we're going to get a new star made from the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And there have been five of them now. I wonder if you can name all five winners. So, obviously, Cesaro the first year. I'm gonna pull then, I believe it was Big Show the second year. Mm-hmm. Then Mojo Rawley. Then Baron Corbin. And this year was Braun Strowman. All right, let's see. Was that in order as well? Uh, Cesaro, Big Show, Baron Corbin, then Mojo ah. Rawley. And you're missing one as well. It's, there's been Not six. Braun Strowman? Yeah, Braun Strowman, there's been six. Huh. Who won it? So Cesaro. Mark Henry. No, it's been Cesaro, then that. Big Show, then Baron Corbin, Mojo Rawley. Matt Hardy was last year's winner. Oh, because Bray Wyatt helped him. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the runner-up of that was Baron Corbin, funnily mm. enough. Because you can't bloody get rid of Baron Corbin. Um, so, yeah, that was it was a match. Um, and Cole uh, puts over the French announcers. And we find out that Eminem's uh, Legacy is the, one of the theme tunes for this. How many theme tunes do you need? Well, you need uh, a, a song like Legacy for the next match, which is John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. This is what I believe in. You work hard, you show up on time, stay loyal to those who support you, you respect friends and enemies. That's my stance. Liar. Here I am, having worked day in and day out for 12 years now, trying to build this. That's what I want as my legacy. 
And a guy like Bray, he just wants to destroy everything I've worked my life to build. <laughs> Your heroes, children, they fight only for their own selfish vanity and greed. Hey, kids, all praise me to the virtue of hustle, loyalty, and respect. And who am I? Who am I to say that? What am I? <laughs> I used to be the type of kid that would always think the sky is falling. Why am I so differently wired? Am I a Martian? What kind of twisted experiment am I involved in? Cause I don't belong in this world. That's why I'm scoffing at authority, defiant often. John Cena, you remind me of one of those thoroughbred horses. And he races, and he wins, and he wins, and the people, they just cheer for him! Just remember, you Your time is up. Can't you hear her calling your name? And if you fall, I'll get you there. I'll be your savior from all the wars that are fall. I am afraid of Bray Wyatt, but I believe. I believe in everything I've done, everything I stand for, and everything I will do. At WrestleMania, I will fight for my legacy. This is my legacy, legacy. And your fear is my power! I used to be the type of kid that would always think the sky is falling. Why am I so differently wired? Am I noggin? Cause sporadic as my thoughts come, it's mind boggling. Cause I obsess on everything. I have broken you, John. <laughs> I have broken you! But if this is all there is for me, life offers. Why bother even trying to put up a fight's nonsense? But I think a light bulb just lit up in my conscience. Hope is dead, as will be your legacy who will be left for you when i take it all away this is my legacy Because you see, it's all about his legacy. His legacy of hustle, loyalty, respect. And Bray Wyatt is trying to make him go against that. You might say he wants him to embrace the hate, which was a feud he did with Kane just a couple of years previous to this. So it's not like this is a brand new storyline. However, Bray Wyatt is so much better suited to this storyline. And I think this video package is awesome. And I actually was super into this storyline because call me crazy i did think bray white was going to win the storyline is great the video package is great the wyatt family what was so good they could have been better than the shield maybe not with eric rowan but braun Strowman kind of came out of it the the, the match the story through the match is also great did the, the only <laughs> thing wrong with this match is that John Cena won? I know, it's so... I feel like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> it is ridiculous in hindsight. And like, it's the same thing would happen with Rusev next year. 
where uh, John Cena is going to beat him at WrestleMania for the United States Championship. And I'm wondering if that's where this this idea that Cena buries new talent comes from. Like that two-year stretch where he beat Bray. Oh, it Bray. was before then. Well, no, before then he was just winning championships. But this was like new guys that were coming up. Like, mm. you know, and he had the two-match stretch with The Rock. But this was the first time where it was like, okay, we've got a new guy that we want to test out against this very established star in John Cena. And John Cena wins LOL. And that happened two years running. So I wonder if that's when it was like, oh, don't put a new guy against John Cena because John Cena always buries people. Yeah. And now because then he comes back in 2015 or 2016, US Open Challenge, US Title Open Challenge. And now we all love him. Now we all love him. Uh, but this was in an intense hatred period. Yeah. And you can you can hear that in the booze when he comes oh, out. But before that, we've got an amazing entrance for Bray Wyatt mm. because he's got the, 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 the person who wrote the music for it out and he's got this sort of scarecrow makeup on and everyone else in the band is wearing like Plagueis masks. And it looks great. This is not hobo wizard Bray Wyatt. This is proper cult leader Bray Wyatt. And him walking out with Harper and Rowan did make... I was like... I miss this act so so much. Yeah, I loved this group. <clears throat> it's it's so cool that they like. This everything... act will also be split up before the year is out as oh. well for the for the record. Like just from the, that opening video bit, New Orleans, we're here. <sighs> like what an ingenious way to get the crowd already amped up before your music even hits. You, know you get to it... say the name of the city, just like the New Day. Yeah. Do you know what's funny though? My friend uh, Ross, who wrote uh, Bob Holly's autobiography, he hated this character mm. and he hated this entrance with an absolute passion because he said it makes no sense whatsoever. He said because they cut to it backstage and he's got a lantern and he blows the candle out and then he walks out and the lantern is lit. So why does he blow it out and then relight it? It makes no sense for him to do that. It's some, sometimes things are so cool I just look past that's exactly what i Mm. said i was like yeah but it looks cool and i do like the music (laughs) because the only way i can explain that is he blows it out then he relights it yeah and then he comes out which is a lame excuse yeah Yeah. but hey that music is really cool Uh, i've got to point out though that you did say this is great cult leader wyatt uh not magic bray and i agree with you but there is a bit in that video package that we just saw where john cena is washing his face and he (laughs) Yes, sorry, I did forget. <laughs> and Ultimate Warrior style <laughs> sees a goat mask in the mirror behind him. It's Eric Rowan. And he turns round, panicked. There's no one there. It's all in his head, but also ours because we mm, also saw it. It doesn't make. Talk about things not so, making sense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I do apologize for that. That was where we. It's almost like we started to see the, the silliness of this because this does get very silly because he wins the next match, I think, in this series at the next pay per view. I think it's a cage match. And I think that's the one where they have like the kids singing and that distracts John Cena for long enough for Bray to beat him. That is cool, though, that because like that, I remember the kids were all wearing. Cena shirts or something. It was another way to get into Cena's head that John appeals to all the children and Bray's trying to subvert that. Yes. So it was, a, it was a great idea. Yes, but then there would also... I think this is also the year where he appears as a hologram. Yes, well, that's too funny. <laughs> 
Um, it's crazy how 2014 really did change the landscape of WWE. Mm. By the time 2014 is over, it does not feel like this WrestleMania is a very, very different place. CM Punk's left. Yeah. Brock's beating everyone now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very weird, very weird. Yeah, the Shield are broken up. The Wyatt family is split. Sting's here. Mm. Um, yeah, so... What about Sting? Yeah, he comes in at Survivor yeah. Series because that's when Eric Rowan is on the babyface Survivor Series team and Luke Harper's on the heel side of things. And Dolph Ziggler was the final survivor. He won everything with the, like, for the good guys. And no one lost their jobs. Anyway, the, the crowd are so into the Wyatt family entrance because it's awesome. But they're even more into booing John Cena. <laughs> yeah, it's deafening. This is classic WWE. And they sit there and be like, We've got this amazing storyline, this John Cena character. He appeals to all the kids. And this is a re- it makes so much sense for John Cena to play this role within this storyline. And just ignoring the fact that everyone at this WrestleMania crowd is not going to cheer him. And they're going to boo everything he does. And that then means that the match doesn't work. Because... John Cena is trying not to embrace the hate and he's trying to be like, no. And he's trying to make his comeback on Bray Wyatt and be the good guy. And the crowd are booing everything he does. And the commentators are going like, John Cena's amazing. He's so great. He's brilliant. And it's like, sometimes you go like, oh, I think Wyatt has got to some of the WWE universe. I've heard that some people actually quite like this Bray Wyatt while Bray Wyatt standing there to thunderous applause and the whole crowd chanting he's got the whole world in his hands waving their arms back and forth and it's just this idiotic WWE dichotomy of just like no 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 we are telling this story I don't care what the crowd do Mm. we're just gonna keep telling this story well at least we got serious Cena uh, because he looks back when he comes out he he looks back I don't know who at and just like there's a little nod. Maybe it's to the camera guy. It's like, I'm going to run really fast now. You've got to keep up. It's to Vince. Yeah. Thanks, boss. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm going over. <laughs> <laughs> you made the right call. Yeah. And then, he, you know, he runs down. But he's not smiling and, and slapping hands. And John Cena gets in. Cole points out that Cena's seven and three at WrestleMania. Oh, that's not that's, you know, that's quite a not not a definitive track record. Bray could win here. And Bray brilliantly just sits on the top turnbuckle, crucially behind Luke and Rowan. Like, even his ring positioning in someone else's entrance is perfect for his gimmick. Yeah. That's why I'm so so excited about his new character, because he's so good at the details. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And all all the commentators are on Cena's side in this. Even JBL, heel JBL, is on Cena's side for for this match. Lawler is idiotic. Like, some of the stuff Lawler says in this match, I'm like, if you're on Cena's side, I don't want to be on that side. Because, like, there's a big-time feel from the crowd. that just before they lock up, there is a buzz. Like, like how you get in boxing matches. Because I think the crowd thought Bray's winning. Mm-hmm. I think Be- I think everyone in the in that arena thought Bray's winning tonight, and it's going to be a big start for him, and it's going to be a big push. And in the lens of history, I think we can look back and all agree that he should have won. And Bray just to start this match, Bray just walks into the middle of the ring, kneels in front of Cena, and says, "Finish me. Show me what a show me the true monster that you are." Yeah, like which is just what a fantastically psychological opening and sets up the story they're going to tell in this match. And when Bray shouts that at him, Lawler dumbly asks, what does that mean? (laughs) Like, 
You're an idiot. Yeah. You are an idiot. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, Braid dominates. Crowd starts seeing like the whole world stuff, and every time Cena attacks, they boo, and like he explodes on Wyatt, and Braid just like laughs, and King's like, "Why is he laughing?" Mm. He's like, because he's a bit crazy, Jerry. Try and keep up, mate. Well, no, he's... Also, that is what he wants. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like Cena unleashing that fury and getting angry at the crowd. Uh, it makes it more intense, and that's yeah, that's what Braid's want. He's playing into Braid's hands, yeah, and. The crowd all booing Cena helps that story even more because it's like they don't like him too. It's getting into John's head in so many different directions. And to Cena's credit, he really sells struggling with this idea of not unleashing this demon out of himself Mm. on Bray. And there is, yeah. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll get on to the finish in in just a second. But like... um, King says, like, I, I like that King says that Bray is more concerned with making John mad than winning the match. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's that's the point, mm-hmm. King. Um, but Cena starts to make his comeback to Thunderous Bruise, and he goes to do the fist drop, but Wyatt does the big crab walk thing. And, like, John, John Cena craps his pants. Like, he literally falls down. It's it's quite comical, really. There was a banana peel in that ring. Oh, I like that. I like it I as well. I thought that was really but, cool. But it was a good, it was a brilliant overselling of it mm-hmm. that, I, that I appreciated. Um and over in here, God, it would have been incredible to end the match there. Like, if yeah. Cena just walked in, Sister Abigail, and pinned him. Yeah. It would have been, it would have been amazing. Um, the crowd start chanting, that was creepy, which I thought was a, a fun little chant. Um, I've, I've got I've to say, because some people say when the bell rings, that's when Bray Wyatt falls apart. And I, I've never bought into that, because I love Bray's offense. Mm. I love how he trash talks in the ring. He's not a Daniel Bryan or a Seth Rollins or an AJ Styles caliber wrestler, but he's so good at performing. And he's actually got quite a brutish strength about him. Yeah. Like from his Husky Harris days, and he still does it, that running crossbody. Mm. That looks like it would take out most people. It's just launching itself yeah. at them. And there's a, there's a little bit in it where he just, he, get, he does a normal suplex on John Cena, but instead of sending him all the way up and over, Bray stays standing and just throws John Cena across the ring. I was yeah. like, that is, you are so strong. Yeah. He has another spot where he does like this really creative gut buster where he just like, he lifts mm. him up and just slams him all the way down onto his knee. And I was like, how, that's so creative. Yeah. That's a really, yeah. really effective gut buster. It looks so painful. Uh, yeah, but um, like, they, the, Rowan and Harper start to get, involved a lot there distracting Cena which is all part of Bray's character like that's not chicken s word heel that it's the what you are facing the Wyatt family if you face Bray you face this entire cult including the crowd one of the many reasons why it's okay to beat people because they they're against such odds yeah why John should have lost and John realizes this so he's up on the top rope, ready to do his awful-looking leg drop the leg drop a complete death uh, and out of nowhere in quite a stunning spot jumps get a lot gets a lot of air and takes out harper and rowan on the outside yeah that's a huge a move hu- and it's a big old dive he launches himself rowan catches him like an absolute champ as yeah. well cena never does stuff like that yeah. which made it all the more impressive and bray was right outside capitalizing on this whips him into the steel steps but then cena fires back picks up the, the steel steps goes to crush bray's head but then stops himself because that would be evil and that is where you should have started to 
Yep. Absolutely. Tell the story of Bray winning. Wyatt holds John's head in the ring like he's cradling him like a baby and starts singing, Got the whole oh, world. Well, yeah. uh, but, then, and, but then John fires out of nowhere, AA. And I was like, oh, God damn it. But Wyatt kicks out. Yeah. Like, okay, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, like, Cena runs into his sister, Abigail, and he kicks out of that. The crowd actually totally bought that as the finish as well. Mm. They thought, this is where it's going going to end. And then Bray goes to grab a chair, and he passes it to Cena and tells him to use it. Brilliant. It's just out finishing me. And again, you've got King go like, why did he pass in the chair? Oh. And you've got the referee, the referee quite goofily saying, John, this isn't you. <laughs> Put the chair down, John. This isn't you. You're an impartial official, not a psychologist. Yeah. And then we get what... I get we get the finish, which is where he goes to hit Rowan with the chair, and Bray Wyatt rolls him up, but Cena kicks out of that, and then he hits the AA and wins. Which was the total wrong finish to this match. Absolutely the total wrong finish. And Cole's like, he won that for the C Nation. He stayed true to himself. I'm like, oh no. It's garbage finish. But then he does run out, and there is like this group of Cena fans, these kids, and they're all wearing Plants. their Cena t-shirts, and he starts hugging them, and Cole's like, and that's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. That's why Cena does what he does. That's why he's the best, because kids love him, and you're all just marks booing him because you think the new toy is cool. Buzz Lightyear out here. What's wrong with Woody? It's hard to not agree when he's hugging what seems to be a Make-A-Wish kid at ringside, yeah, yeah, yeah. dressed in C-Nation gear. But, like, you know, the heart shouldn't always rule the head. Sometimes it's good for kids to learn that their heroes are <laughs> treacherous, evil people. And it's not like Cena needed to... Oh, no. It, Cena didn't need to, like, turn heel, quote-unquote. He didn't need to hit Bray with a exactly. chair. He just needed to lose. He could have stayed true to himself. He just dis he got distracted enough that Bray took advantage of it. Because I think this was the first match in their feud. And annoyingly, you know, WrestleMania isn't used to blow off feuds. You, it starts a series of matches. It, I, for me, it is fine for John to win this overall feud. Yep. And then you, like, you know, maybe Cena does start to embrace the dark side. He struggles with himself. But ultimately, like a Johnny Gargano storyline, yeah. ultimately he finds the right way and he comes out on top in the end. Which which is why Bray should win this match, this first match. It's at WrestleMania. Then he will always have, I beat Cena at WrestleMania, which which does mean more. Mm -hmm. And then Cena gets his wing back later. There's just, it is so short-sighted and, and really was the start of the Wyatt family derailing, yeah. which could have been, they could have been huge. Yep, absolutely. They were been. huge. Yep. And you ruined it, WWE. Dave Meltzer would write, the crowd wasn't that into the match. Wyatt was cheered, but nothing... Oh, I, I disagree. Uh, oh, he, well, he says, uh, Wyatt was cheered, but nothing like I'd figured. And Cena was booed, but it wasn't that heavy. Three and a half stars. I think that's what he was getting at. He mm. thought it was going to be like thunderous cheers for Wyatt and thunderous boos for Cena. But he thought the crowd was sort of like... Which wasn't into either guy, really. Yeah. Not as much as he figured, anyway. Um, I, th I, th I don't agree with that, because the crowd really were... What, you know, waving their arms back yeah, and forth. I, I disagree but, with yeah. Dave on that as well. Uh, Vinny V would say, I said on Twitter that this was slow and went too long, which caused many to tear me apart. So I'm re-watching it with an open mind. Okay, I watched it a second time and I still wasn't very impressed. It was too long and they could have told the same story better in half the time. Sorry, everyone. Two and a half stars. 
Yeah, it could have, could have benefited from being five minutes shorter, yep. maybe. Uh, Wade and Ke- with, with Bray Wyatt winning. Absolutely. Wade Keller would say, interesting match. Not great athletically, but effective use of both characters. I wish I had a little more focus on a few crescendos with actual wrestling, and it seemed too cute half the time. But as a chapter <laughs> in the story, it worked well enough. Two and three quarter stars. God damn it. <laughs> uh, oh, just a, a little bit. Uh, he didn't just hug the kid and some fans at ringside. He also hugged Rock's mum. I didn't, I didn't spot yeah. Rock's mum there, yeah. Cena's dad was there and Rock's mum. Hmm. Maybe they're dating. Maybe Rock and Cena are stepbrothers now. Oh, Did we just become best movie. friends? <laughs> uh, I got a, a WWE 2K14 advert after that. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not in the DVD version. Yeah, yeah it's not in the DVD version. That's th- the th- it was a throwback. <laughs> it, was, it was weird seeing an old. Like, what dates more than old WWE games? Yeah. Well, VR graphics mm. uh, or those AR graphics, whatever they are. Welcome everyone to the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Our next inductee isn't just one of the greatest ring psychologists our business had ever seen. My friends, he wrote the book on it. If you can get into that ring and make a child smile, there's nothing like it. She was a source of encouragement, strength, and inspiration to so many. She is my nemesis. She is my partner in crime. She's Lita. That just happened? How did I do all that? So I want to thank all these people that took a chance on me and saw something early on. Please join me in welcoming one of the greatest managers of all time, Paul Bear, into the WWE Hall of Fame. We want to thank the whole WWE universe for being able to share our father with all of you. Oh, yes! It is with much humility that I joined the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2014. My hero, our icon, Carlitos Colón. Yo acepto este reconocimiento y para mí es un honor. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Reza Hey, yo. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. He is a true WWE icon and legend. The Ultimate Warrior is a legend today, and he will continue to run into the hearts and minds of fans throughout generations to come. So we had a recap of the Hall of Fame, which was live on the WWE Network, which was actually one of their big draws for you subscribing to the network. Is not only do you get WrestleMania, you also get the Hall of Fame because this was pre-takeovers. Did you hear about Bret Hart, though? <laughs> not at this one, no. He got attacked, mate. Oh, did he? Oh. You know what, Luke? Mm-hmm. It's the end of the week when we're recording this. It's been a tough week again. Yeah. Uh, you might have realised that this is a different recording session from the last minute. I think we're so smooth with it, though. Do you want to crack open a beer? Oh, go on, let's crack yeah. open a beer. Yeah, while I recap uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, so we see that this 
class includes Jake the Snake Roberts, which made me, uh, as an induction that made me cry so much in his documentary, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, when they recap that, because he was hoping for a spot in the Royal Rumble this year, but instead got off with the Hall of Fame instead. Also inducted was Lita Paul Bearer, who his kid does a very good impression of. The Undertaker, oh, Undertaker came out for the Paul Bearer thing. Mr. T, who everyone made fun of. Do you remember everyone making fun of Mr. T's induction no, speech? Don't, no, I don't. He went on for ages, and it was mad oh, boring. Oh, yeah, I remember this. He just wouldn't. Get, I, I think they had to like, play him off. Oh, dear. Because he just kept going on and on and on. Because, it, no, it wasn't next year that they were like they started putting no well it was the following year after this where they were like you've got certain time limits now whereas before they kind of let people run roughshod a word that i just realized wasn't rough shot yes i learned much later in life it's yeah you know what do you know why no I'm going off topic here. You can tell I've given up on the week. Uh, it's <laughs> just, I just want to peel back the curtain. Prior to this, Ollie said, right, we've got an hour and a half. We need to get this finished. But talking about horse hooves is more important. So uh, it's on a horseshoe, you would put the nails the other way so that the nails would go into the ground mm-hmm. to improve traction, kind of like studs, very crude studs. Mm. So to run roughshod, uh, that was called roughshod, rough shod to run over something like that would be to trample it to smithereens because you've got the added nails see Uh, have you got a choice of beer you want by the way i found mine what's this one i have this brute ipa it's called grand slam uh i'm gonna call it power slam also inducted carlos i'm still talking about the beer (laughs) i feel like i've got unfinished business with this one this was the one boss black from boss brewing that i couldn't have at wrestlemania (laughs) And it is an award-winning, seriously silky stout. So I'm it, going to enjoy the heckins. Enjoy the heckins out of it. Uh, Carlos Cologne, Razor Ramon. And this was during that time. Um, and it lasted for a couple of years where you weren't allowed, you could only be inducted under the name you had in WWF. So oh. it was like Kevin Nash wasn't inducted. Diesel was inducted. Scott mm. Hall wasn't inducted. Razor Ramon. It, uh Alundra Blaze yes. was in not Medusa, yeah. which she was much widely known as as Medusa. <clears throat> in the same way, like Scott Hall was a much bigger impact on the wrestling world than Razor Ramon ever was. But you had to go in under your WWF name. So I I I I agree that totally could be a thing, but I always thought the reason behind that was so you could get more inductions out of it. You can in, you can uh, you can induct Diesel and you can induct Razor Ramon separately, but then you can induct Kevin Nash and Scott Hall as the, the outsiders, outsiders on a later year because they're running out of people to headline. The NWO gone in uh, as a group, like as the like the trio. Not off the t- now, I don't think they have. That'd be next year then. You know, Hulk Hogan would have two rings then. Yeah, well, he doesn't. loads of other people have got them, haven't they? Um, giving them away at this point. And then, and I loved uh, Razor Ramon's speech as well. Of, yeah. Like, bad times don't last forever. Uh, was it? No, good times don't last forever, but bad guys do. Yeah. So, so good. And the ultimate warrior was their headline act. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Razor Ramon didn't headline, although he probably deserves to. Yeah, Scott uh, Hall. From an, an, yeah, Scott <laughs> Hall. Uh, I was like, so who is the headliner? And then, yeah, Ultimate Warriors music hit. And I was like, oh, God, this is the year where he dies the next night. Yeah, yeah, where he dies on... Uh, uh, yes, we died on uh, after Raw. Yeah, yeah sorry, so, so, probably a couple... couple yeah, months later. Yeah, 
within know, a few days. Exactly, yeah. Um, big, big shock, Undertaker, uh, Undertaker, Under Ultimate Warrior coming back to the WWE. I never thought it would happen, to be honest with you. And I, I thought this would be one of those guys who would just never come back or never be allowed back into the company. Um, controversial figure, Ultimate Warrior, left on quite bad terms with WWE. Quite bad terms. As some, some might say. Um, and then had a hilariously bad run in WCW, part of which we've covered on mm. this Wrestle Ramble Extra Odyssey for Halloween Havoc 1998. We've kind of already referenced it in this podcast with uh, Eric Rowan appearing behind John Cena in the mirror. That's right. Yes, yeah. we did. Um, and... Then he sort of left the world of wrestling and started doing speaking tours where he made a lot of controversial statements. I was actually reading up about this because obviously The Observer's got his obituary in it. And it has a statement in there about like his talks, which he, he did apologize for. But like the point he was making was that, and it comes from an, an, an ignorant place, where it's just like, if everyone in the world was homosexual, then the human race would die out not thinking about how the fact that that's just not the case really is it mm. it's so it was it's a, a place of ignorance as interesting a thought experiment yeah. <laughs> yeah um but wwe released a hit piece on him uh the self-destruction of the ultimate warrior which i remember at the time thinking was the best documentary they'd ever done because i bought into everything they said in it mm. i was just like i thought the company was telling the truth do you know they made one for bret hart did they ever release it? No, they ah, did not. Right, they recorded okay. loads of interviews with it. Hulk Hogan did like a massively long interview burying Bret Hart. I bet he did. Roddy Piper released one as well, which Bret was really upset about because they were really good friends. Mm. And it wasn't until Bret came back into the company that they stopped it and then released the actual Bret Hart documentary that they ended up releasing in like 2005 or whatever it was. But yeah, they were fully planning on the self-destruction of Bret the Hitman Hart. What a horrible company. It, it's <laughs> funny because so this the latest Observer has a paragraph upon paragraph about the Montreal screw job, mm. And Meltzer was talking about in that the myth that the reason Vince did what he did is because Brett was going to show up on Nitro the next night with the belt. And despite the fact that's factually incorrect and would have been proven the fact 24 hours later when Brett didn't show up on Nitro even without the belt, that it was contractually... That, that could never have happened. He couldn't have... In fact... Bischoff stopped Brett's yeah. contract for a month and a half so he could stay till the next pay-per-view and drop the belt then. And... Um, and it's just funny because they were talking about that Bret Hart documentary they were doing, and the Bret Hart's manager was in the like going into the to Titan Towers to talk about the documentary and things like that. And Shane welcomed him in and was like, "Hey, you know, I'm, we're really sorry about Montreal, but my dad had no option. Like Bret was going to go show up on Nitro the following night, and like the manager was like, eight years later, and that myth has just become fact in this company." That's wrestling. That's that's it's that crazy. era of wrestling. They it's just they so tell crazy. so many lies. They don't know what's real and what isn't. They probably yeah. believe that's the case. Absolutely, now. they convince themselves that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, anyway, Howard Finkel comes out on stage and he introduces all of them. Um, bum, 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 bum. Carlos has done some gigging in his time, hasn't he? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's had a couple of late jobs, I reckon. One or two, I'd, I'd oh, say. Oh, yeah. And Carlito, Carlito wasn't out there for this. Mm. Uh, but when you said that Carlito's done some jobs, I thought you meant because this was the era where Carlito was on every British indie wrestling. Show. 
and he was also here inducting his dad yeah. on the Hall of Fame ceremony. But yeah, he wasn't out there for this bit. A huge pop for Lita as well. Uh, Hall gets a good reaction. And I was expecting a bigger pop for Ultimate Warrior. Hmm. Like, I can almost hear Hogan in the back going like, still can't get a bigger pop than me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah Hogan so was over he was over at this point I mean he's still over to this day like he came out for Wrestlemania 35 and got like one of the best reactions of the whole show mm. people were just willing to forgive Hogan uh, so yeah uh, on April 8th at 5.50pm 54 year old warrior James B. Helwig collapsed while walking with his wife to their car at the Ganey Suites Hotel in Scottsdale Arizona said Sergeant Mark Clark of the Scottsdale Police Department Scottsdale Fire Department transported him to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead soon after arrival at this point in the investigation it appears as though a catastrophic medical condition caused his death mm-hmm. Dave would say in The Observer, the timing was spooky and the vision of him as the main eventer in the WWE Hall of Fame, coming out with his two younger daughters, talking to his wife and mother in the front row and telling them how much he loved them. He was introduced at WrestleMania the next day. One day later, he delivered what will be remembered as his farewell interview on Raw. However, he did have a premonition about dying young. People who dealt with him said he only spoke, uh, he spoke openly about what he did and the chemicals he used to become the ultimate warrior. He matter-of-factly said in recent months that he believed he would die young. His father and grandfather died in their 50s, and he would outright say that the drugs he took would probably take years off his life. He also succinctly said without prompting that he didn't regret doing what he did, because without doing it, there wouldn't have been an ultimate warrior. It's an interesting way to look at things. I always, I always see the, the Ultimate Warrior's death and how close he was with Sting. And by the end of this year, Sting would be in, in WWE and yeah. something that everyone always thought would never happen. So you've got to think, Ultimate Warrior dies. How does that affect Sting's mindset for thinking, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Life's too short. Let's do a WWE thing. Absolutely. That and 2K Games. Yeah. 2K Games really are like, they're the actual like bridge builders for WWE. Mm. They reach out to wrestlers that have bad terms with WWE and be like, hey, do you want to be in the game as a DLC? We'll pay you all this money. And then WWE are like, mm, people are interested. Yeah, it's a proxy. <laughs> uh, we see Daniel Bryan is being looked at backstage because he's got an owie arm. Uh, we get a hype video for New Orleans with Michael Cole saying he's eaten loads of gumbo. What is gumbo? It's like a soup, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Doesn't sound like it should be a soup. Okay, let's Google it. Sounds like a gumbo, jumbo. It's going to be big, surely. Oh, yeah, it's a big old... I I think of it... Yeah, it's like like a soup. Uh, Gumbo is a Creole dish popular in the U.S. state of Louisiana. It's an official state dish. Gumbo consists primarily of strong-flavored stock, meat, or shellfish, a thickener, and what Louisianans call the holy trinity of vegetables, namely celery, bell peppers, and onions. Wow. What a state you are, Louisiana. The holy trinity of vegetables. (laughs) Bell pepper, yep. celery, yep. and, and onions. onions. Yep. Depression <laughs> fueled innovation. It hey, seems. Those those are depression era veg. Maybe not the bell pepper. Yeah. It's quite exotic. Hey man, prohibition was hard on everyone. <laughs> uh, but coming up next, it is the match that this pay per view might be best known mm. for. It is the Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. For over two decades, it has been the lone constant in WWE. The one true certainty at WrestleMania. The streak. The Phenom! The Prince of Darkness! It is a standard that has no equal. Undefeated at WrestleMania! 21 times the very best have tempted fate. 21 times. They have failed all 
victims of the ultimate seduction. To be the one to end it all. Legends, giants, champions, icons have all crashed upon the rocks of this irresistible temptation. Their mangled bodies piling up with each passing year. Is there no man who can defeat this collector of souls? Obviously, the answer is no. But what about a heartless, ruthless barbarian mastering in cruelty and fueled by rage? incarnate whose natural instinct is to inflict pain the affirmation he seeks is your contempt your disgust your disdain who lives by the mantra eat sleep conquer repeat no one will ever forget what he's about to do 21 and 1 1 and then the smallest number becomes the biggest. He is the one. He is the one. Brock. Brock. Lesnar. Lesnar. All good things do indeed come to an end. It's kind of pathetic, really. The last rite of a celebrated career. package there so so good and there's one true certainty in wwe the streak it's this is you know the monster video package with daniel bryan very good i might prefer this video package same here bud just because the paul Heyman, it's almost white noise how good he is because he's so good all the time it's not worth saying hmm. but this was really peak paul Heyman as Brock Lesnar's advocate in the modern era. Yeah. And you just, he rattles through all of these catchphrases he came up with. The one in, in 21, 21 and, and one. Eat, sleep, conquer, conquer the streak. Yeah. Oh, repeat, repeat, but he adapted it for this with the streak. It was a walking catchphrase machine. Yeah. And all of them got over. Suplex, well, Brock said suplex silly in yeah. a match. And that, yeah. I just, um, yeah, and it's, fantastic. it's a great, great video as well because, like, it's talking about the streak and there's clips of all of those that try to beat him. Like, they even show Bossman in the Hell in a Cell, which yeah. they very rarely do. <laughs> they never bring that one up. And, like, he truly is superhuman. And is there any one man who can beat the Collector of Souls? 
And Heyman says, the answer is no. But what about a heartless, ruthless barbarian? Heyman's so good in this. Because it's uh, like build this whole myth, and then you cut to Heyman just going like, what a lovely fairy tale. Mm. Now let me tell you what's really going to happen. And in the with the power of hindsight, this video package really does set up the fact by the way, the Undertaker is losing here. Yeah, because I, I didn't buy into this at all. This was this was a, the climax, really, of me going, yeah, but they're never going to beat the Undertaker. Yeah, at, at this point, when they were like twenty-one matches in, you're like, they're never going to, they're never going to do it. The Undertaker's only got two more years left in him, surely. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the Observer, don't you yeah. worry. It's just like I, I thought, even him putting over a younger guy wouldn't be the right decision. But my my opinion at that time mm. was. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Looking at it now, that it's it's a more effective video package in hindsight. Uh, and another one, sorry, didn't say spoiler. Yeah, spoiler warning. Another classic Paul Heyman line. Yeah, because they even I'm guessing they got Michael Cole in to record him shouting, "The streak's over, streak's over." Because it has Michael Cole was talking about how the streak has mm. ended in this video package. Michael Cole would repeat those words more or less verbatim. At the end of this match. It's almost like it's a work, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or is it a work? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's ask Paul Heyman, shall we? Um, a feud he never paid off on. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Where was the follow-up to that, Paul? <laughs> um, I will say, though, that as cool as Brock is, and I love his entrance music, he does look a touch silly in that little beanie, though. Oh, I've written down the complete opposite. Brock comes out looking awesome with all these sponsorship deals on his shorts and beanie. He looks freaking great. No, the shorts are cool. The beanie's bad. I just it, it makes him look different to everyone else. He's got a different aura about him. And just, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. I can mm. see why you wouldn't like the beanie. Yeah. The beanie's the... You could go. But I, I <laughs> love I the like shorts. And I like the presentation. And I yeah. think Heyman and Lesnar is peanut butter and jam. It mm. just works so so well and i don't think Heyman has glued with anyone as well as he has with maybe punk actually the, the partnership he had with yeah. punk was really really good because they played off each other so well right back oh and curtis axel obviously yeah. like you know made them superstars megastars you might say right back and Heyman was actually very good value for money mm. when when he was like almost erotically <laughs> into right oh didn't he propose to him at one point it, was, it went some yeah. weird places yeah. Yeah. JBL's putting over how good Brock is saying he's a three-time WWE champion a former IWGP champion he won the UFC title on his third fight it really puts over how awesome Brock Lesnar is and why this company takes him as seriously as they do meanwhile Michael Cole is putting over diet Jew the only diet with Jew in it <laughs> do, do, do you do you in it yeah Dew. Dew. Did yeah. I misspeak? No, no. No, Dew. Yeah, it just sounds like yeah. another word. Yes, you're, yes. you're absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, King says that if Brock, if it's possible that Brock can beat The Undertaker, then Paul Heyman will be the best manager of all time. You can even see Undertaker guys shouting at Lesnar before the match. It's weird seeing him there, yeah. I know. I spotted him earlier in the night, but it's even weirder seeing him here. Knowing, like, like shouting at Brock Lesnar, knowing what's coming in, like, 20-odd minutes. When we say Undertaker guy, we mean the bulging eyes, shock, the streak is over face reaction guy. I think everyone knows who Undertaker yeah. guy is. It's like saying Miz Girl. Everyone knows who Miz Girl is. Do, do they call him Undertaker guy? I think they call him Street Guy, though. Oh, I've always known him as Undertaker guy. 
Undertaker guy. Like Brock could guy. Could be Kane. <laughs> could be. Big entrance for The Undertaker. Loads of clips and images of all the people he's beat, including like shots of caskets mm. all lined up. Which are on the stage. Yeah. 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 Um, bit, bit weird with uh, having one for Big Boss Man, considering that he is dead. Mm. And, uh, but it's, you know, I know. It's, it's, yeah, I know. Okay. But it's, uh, I like, it, it does seem like it's hokey, but it sort of works that they've got mm. the 22nd casket there with Brock Lesnar's name on it and it opens. And it is like, it could be seen as so lame and trite and goofy, but I was like, nah, I'm into it. I like it. Well, yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I think you just have. The final Brock Lesnar coffin already open, doesn't have to open by itself. And be- what happens is, you know, it opens by itself. Ooh, mechanics. <laughs> Ooh, clockwork stuff. And Undertaker comes out. He gets a little bit down the ramp, turns round. That, f- that coffin bursts into flames. I would have preferred the coffin to already be open and then it just burst into flames and then Undertaker comes out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is pretty campy. Yeah, it's Undertaker. I'm just trying to bring back the campiness a little bit. Yeah. Um, Right. So, this match is very boring. Yeah. This is a... I don't think that's a hot take, that this is a very bad match. And Undertaker got concussed very early on, Mm. which I think is part of the problem. Oh, hugely. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also just... it, It goes nowhere. Like it's like Lesnar Goldberg at WrestleMania 20. This is our second podcast in a row now mm. where we've got to talk about a boring Brock Lesnar match that goes 20 minutes. I I don't know how I'd, I'd really be curious to know how they laid out this match. Uh obviously they would have a lot of big spots planned, but I definitely imagine Taker's the guy here who is the ring general. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Brock was just like I'm with Taker in the ring. I'm just going to be super respectful because they definitely do respect each other backstage. I'll just, you know, do what he says. But then for that guy to get concussed and knock loopy, and he looks loopy a lot. It really does. Like for it happened. I'm pretty sure it happens in the first four minutes. Yeah. I'll tell you the spot, but then you've got 60. It's a long match. Got 16 more minutes of him also looking loopy. Doesn't recover. So Brock just goes back to, uh, I'll do a suplex. I'll do some strikes in the corner. It's just that kind of tired, well, not tired, but repetitive offense that never really goes anywhere. And then there's a finish. Whatever whatever plan they had for this match did not happen. I I imagine this was a fantastically laid out match because Taker's coming off of two Shawn Michaels matches and two Triple H matches. Oh, yeah, four and uh, CM Punk. Yes, the year previous. Yeah, the year previous. He previously. was on like a five year, and all the ones he had with Edge and Batista as well. I would say he had a good like seven year stretch of Definitely. like the match of the nights, WrestleMania moments, match of the year, match of the year, WWE, yeah, yeah, yeah. particularly those those last five, mm-hmm. the Sean, Triple H, and Punk ones. Uh, so this was yeah, I'm, I imagine every top agent and the brilliant the brilliant mind of Taker was on this, yeah, and. It just went. It just went bad. Yeah, it's this really is real shame. This is the start of the streak of bad Undertaker matches at WrestleMania because the next year we get Bray Wyatt, I think. Yeah. Then it's um, 
Roman, I think. No, it was Roman Triple. It was a Triple H Roman that year. It was. <sighs> oh, it was Shane. It was the Hell in a Cell, of course. which was all smoke and mirrors when Shane came yeah. back. Then it's um, then it's Roman, and then Cena last year, and then he wasn't at this year's. Mm. And that Cena one was like he was out there for a minute and a half. It was all about the entrance, and that was yep. it. All that builds for a squash match. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it was pointless. Anyway, we'll talk about this one, though. Uh, but I did like um, JBL on commentary putting over the idea that Undertaker has beaten every member of Evolution at WrestleMania. I think that's a... Re- mm. That, like, that's like, that's a wonderful bit of commentary. Until, like, Flair? Yeah, Flair. When did he beat Flair at Mania? WrestleMania X8, is it? I think he beat him. Undertaker? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a hole in my knowledge. Because I think it's... Um, on second. Wrestle... I can't tell. It's got the micro in the way. X8. Because that's the one where uh, Flair goes to do the pipe shots and he misses him wildly. But Undertaker still comes up like all gigged. Um, yeah, and the Undertaker beat Ric Flair. No disqualification match. Oh, oh no, bless you. sneeze just oh, went away. No, I saw, oh, I saw that game, man. I feel well, bad that's, for uh, Well, uh, that, is, that is an interesting fact. I just assumed JBL was incorrect. I thought it was a great call. Mm. And then, um, yeah, uh, we may as well just go to the finish on this one because we'll, well, talk, about the, talk about the spot where he gets concussed. So I think it starts out pretty damn interesting. Big heavy Square strikes. up to each other. Uh, like it feels reminiscent of the UFC stare down, which happened like four years before, back when Brock wasn't in WWE. He was only you want to go in MMA, yeah, and that that was big. That was to that, that was to set up these matches, yeah, uh, and it felt it had that element of realism and big time feel, even though a coffin just opened by itself and set on fire. I was still here going. It's going to be a real fight, yeah. You know, I was I bought into it, and I remember when he, they were doing those, and I was like, that'll never happen, though, will yeah. it? Uh, and then Brock clotheslines Taker over the top rope from the get-go, but Taker lands right on his feet and just looks up. Yeah. No selling. I was like, that is so cool. And then, you know, a few big strikes, leg drop on the apron, and then, uh, you know, near F5 bit, uh, Brock selling of the choke slam where he's in the chokehold. He's just like, ah, ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> it's really good. But then, outside, four minutes in, it seems like... They're side to side, and it looks like Taker's going for a side Russian leg sweep. Mm. I don't think he is, because when has he ever done that? Uh, And he sort of loses his balance. So Brock presumably improvises and just shoves him to the ground. But Taker's arm is also kind of wrapped around Brock, so he can't protect himself. And he just goes right down on the ground and snaps his head back. Yeah. Is that is that where you think? Oh, they said it was like an, as, uh, during a takedown spot, so that would make sense. That's I watched it back and I read around, mm-hmm. and that seems to be the general consensus. Yeah, but no, that isn't official. Yeah, it's just, I think that's when people think it happened. Yeah, but then yeah, like Taker is just down. He's, he's just glassy eyed for the rest of this. Like he said, in uh, apparently that he doesn't remember a single thing about this match. That's scary. Yeah. And it's just Brock working over Taker with boring strikes. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's tough to watch. Uh, there's an F5 kick out in there. It get, it's it's actually more surprisingly back and forth than I remember. I think there is that period that, that the middle portion of this match where it is just Brock working over Taker to 
the, a very quiet crowd. The crowd dies very yeah. quickly in this when they realize it's just Brock working him over for so long. But then it does, it kind of gets into an, a second gear when, like, after that F5 kick out and Taker gets in the Hell's Gate and crowds start popping for some of these moments. And then, like, he picks him up and slams him back down. Then they're back into their Hell's Gates. And you've got Paul Heyman on the outside screaming, You're Brock Lesnar. You get out of this right now. And, like, Lesnar powers him up and slams him down again. And, um, yeah, JBL's talking about how, like, uh, you know, Undertaker's not been on his feet for five minutes at this point. He's, yeah. just, like, he's been in submissions, but both of them have been from the back. It's good commentary from JBL. Like, yeah, I think yeah. he's, he's yeah, trying here. Uh, and then Lesnar gets in the Kimura. Taker gets an armbar of his own, but Lesnar gets to the ropes. I miss the Kimura. Yeah. Well, that's the suplexes now. They had to stop that, didn't they? Because they put it over too much that it breaks people's yeah, arms. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, no, we've got to move over too strong. <laughs> Run away from Run it. it. <laughs> Let's not do that anymore. And my, what, this is my favorite spot of the match, actually, which is when Undertaker goes up for old school and it feels like he's about to make his comeback and Lesnar just drags him into an F5. I mm. thought that was really cool. And then he, he, Undertaker kicks out from that. Um, and then but, but, goes, but getting up onto the ropes, like yeah. Taker looked drunk. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, maybe, maybe he's selling. Like, I, I don't know how much benefit to give him, but if to me... It, if he's saying he doesn't remember a thing about this match, I wouldn't say it's selling. It's just, I've seen Taker sell yeah. quite a lot. Um, actually, not you know, not as much as other guys, but he, he does sell. That 2000, 2001 period <laughs> where he, just, he wasn't selling at all. I'm, or, not, I'm not taking bumps, pal. Or the early 90s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all all the live long yeah, day. Yeah. Uh, but, like, here, he's, I've never seen him sell like that. Yeah. He looked loopy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... Uh, it's quite, it's quite something. And um, uh, sorry, I just lost myself in my notes I'll here. I'll catch um, you out. I'll catch you up. Uh, a few German suplexes from Brock. Take not sure those up. are wise with the concussion. No, but uh, it's easy to, it's easy to look from now and so, like not in the moment when you're around seventy five thousand yeah. people. I think the scariest part of this, in terms of the Undertaker concussion, is when he tries to do the last ride. Mm. And he is, there is no way he's lifting this man. Like, he barely gets him up onto his shoulders. Yeah. He, he power bombs him from, like, chest height, essentially. He just drops him. Yeah, and it was off a turnbuckle yeah. Yeah, as well. So, so the, it's, it's the Triple H the, finish that yeah, they did at X7. Down. Yeah. Um, but Brock kicks out of uh, Tombstone Piledriver, double down, Taker sits up, Taker goes for another Tombstone Piledriver, but Lesnar reverses it into a third F5, so F15 for all those keeping count. That's your finish. It's so fascinating to watch the crowd at the finish. And I am of the impression that everything that happens after this is all done by design. The no music being played, the graphic being wrong, the graphic going up late, the commentators going quiet, Heyman selling it like it was the biggest shock ever, you know, Lesnar laughing. I think it's all done by design to make you think it was a mistake. Or or just that it's such a shock, even the production weren't uh, prepared for mm. it. Uh, yeah, potentially. But then you hear most of the reports and interviews with people. No one genuinely knew what was going to happen. It was no. only Paul, Vince and Brock. And the referee was just told, call it like it's a shoot. Yeah. yeah. So even the referee didn't know the finish. He just knew to count pins... As three counts. Yeah, because there's a moment where he hesitates on that three. And that's the one that that Heyman talks about. Because Heyman uh, did an interview. He was on a Kenny McIntosh 
uh, inside the ropes talk. Fantastic event. So great. And he's talking about like, what if Brock Lesnar decided, I'm not going to do wrestling today. I'm going to go in there and have a fight. I'm, I am going to break the streak because I know I can. And yeah, he plays it up like it was a legit shoot and Brock wasn't supposed to win that night. He went against the script. We did a whole video about it that was meant to have more stuff with uh, Heyman in it. Mm. But you know, days gone by. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, was, it was fun for that one week. We'll forgive him. Yeah, we'll forgive him. Absolutely. If I ever met awesome. him, I would forgive him. Yeah, I don't think he'll remember. I absolutely wouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's the... The shots of the crowd reacting. You can hear some people already chanting BS. The, the, like, it's the, the three count happens. It's like silence and then boo, like a wall of boos. But over that, you can just hear Heyman screaming in celebration. You did it. You yeah. did it. Yeah, it's great. Heyman's fantastic in this. Absolutely. And you get uh, Undertaker guy with his big bulging eyes. Just mm. so many shots of the crowd all looking stunned because 70,000 people, just like those two in Maidenhead with uh, a woman who would later become one of their wives, everyone thought Undertaker was winning. There's no way they're having Brock Lesnar beat the streak. I So you get the famous reaction shot guy. And I really, like, it's a great shot. It's iconic, weirdly, like, imagine being that guy. Uh, that's what you're known for now. I think he does conventions. Does he really? Yeah, and people just get do him. The, do the face. Exactly, yeah. People have their photo <laughs> taken. He wears the t-shirt, and then like he'll just pose next to them, do the big eyes. That is niche. <laughs> but, and, and, but I kind of blame him for being so good that that's influenced cutting to crowds all the time now by Kevin Dunn because they you do get... I'd, I'd say there have been five memorable... I can't list them, but there's been a, probably at least five memorable reaction shots like that. But the hundreds of other ones are just people looking at their phone or laughing. There's one person they cut to on here yeah. looking at his phone. Yeah. Because he was probably reacting five seconds earlier, but they cut to him too late. And he's now just looking at and his phone. He's looking at Twitter to see what other people are saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's I, I Yeah, crowd reaction shots can be good when you sparingly, but they use them all the chuffing time. Yeah. Um, commentators just go silent. JBL finally says that he's the greatest fighter he's ever known. What a man. This is exact quote. Thank you, take a chance. It's starting to get a little bit louder, but you could hear, and this did make me laugh, because you could there's these chants of thank you, take it, but you can hear one man who's cleaning next to the camera who just shouts, you suck, Undertaker. <laughs> and then there's a pause, and he goes, boom. <laughs> Excellent work. All the, all the commentators give him a standing ovation. They milk this for everything that's everything it's worth. Like, this goes on. This, this, uh, this post-match lasts longer than the Divas match. It's a, and like it's deserving, but it's deserving in the arc of time. But for this night and that match, I'm just I'm not really sitting there. Even at the time, I'm not sitting there going, "God, take her." I'm like, "What the? What a crap match!" And why did you end the streak? Yeah. So I'm not, I, I never really got to have a satisfying thank you, take a moment. But I guess a, sexy yeah. striptease was my. Well, that's what it bloody should have been, shouldn't it? But that's the problem, I think, with Undertaker. And I, I, I say it's Undertaker. I think it's Vince not wanting to let it go. Just won't let him have his last ride, so to speak, mm. and, and sort of go off into the sunset. The amount of retirement angles we've seen The Undertaker do, not angles, but where he has retired and be yeah. like, that's it. I've left, my, I've left everything in the ring. I'm off now. I'm, I've, I've broken kayfabe. I'm doing this. And he's just back the following year doing the same shtick again. It's back again this year doing the same shtick. Like Vince, and the only reason he's back now is because he agreed to do Starcast. 
If he if he and signed on to do Starcast, Undertaker would not be he wouldn't have been on Raw after Mania. I, I, that, mm-hmm. that that's where I'm yeah. thinking. Right, so let's get into this finish because there are a ton of notes from the Observer. Uh, there are conflicting reports and messages on how many people knew what was going to happen when Undertaker got in the ring, possibly for the last time. Brain of Minds was written in 2014. <laughs> uh, it was reported here that a few a few years back, when Undertaker and Lesnar first talked about doing the angle for this match at WrestleMania 27, that Undertaker said he want uh, would want to put Lesnar over, and that would likely build for a rematch, but it wasn't set in stone. With the knowledge of that, which we reported during the build-up, many figured it was Undertaker who made the call. That was not the case. From the day the match was announced until uh, March 31st at least, the finish everyone thought would happen was going to be what was going to happen, which was Undertaker going over. Mm. What happened after that was fuzzy. Only a few people knew before Sunday. If the ref himself wasn't told before the match, that tells you it was probably Vince McMahon who made the call, Undertaker who had to agree, Lesnar who had to know in advance, and Paul Heyman. I would presume Stephanie and Triple H knew, but it ended with that. None of the agents knew. The actual script for the show did not have a finish listed, but for this show, that wasn't unusual, nor was it the only match like that, so there were no red flags. Whether Undertaker does another match or not, Hmm. Written in 2014, Vince McMahon was going on the assumption that this was his last hurrah, and he could either win or lose. McMahon chose the idea that it's always better to lose on your way out, because that's the common wrestling mentality. One person close to the situation said McMahon talked Undertaker into doing it. Another who would also know described it as McMahon making the call and Undertaker agreeing, and that he wasn't talked into doing something he didn't want to do. It's not his original call, but he, uh, it was not his original call, but he was not into it and never protested the call. He was never in on it and never protested the call. At some point during the match, Mark Calloway suffered a severe concussion. The match wasn't very heated, and it was worse because he went blank and was having to be led through. Nobody knows the exact spot because when it was over, Calloway didn't remember or have any memory of most of the match. But he did know enough not to kick out at the key moments. At first, the announcers didn't know what to do. The graphic wasn't ready right away, nor was the music ready. The delay made fans maybe think it was a mistake. The announcers were then given the cue by McMahon to talk about him as if this was a legendary gunfighter's last fight and talk of it like we've seen The Undertaker for the very final time. Calloway legitimately was rushed to hospital in an ambulance. Vince McMahon, even though there were two matches left in the show, including the main event, left with him to the medical center where a CT scan, uh, where after a CT scan, he was diagnosed with a severe concussion and kept overnight. There were many people in the company very unhappy about the call but couldn't say so publicly. But McMahon thought, and was probably correct, that there was no more streak matches left and he may have really had, and he may only really have one good match left in his body. At this point, it's just a call. Do you end the storyline in a shocking way or a predictable way? From a business standpoint, if he was never going to come back for another streak match, neither decision was better than the other. Hmm. I mean, the, one of the things that always stands out to me in that story is that Vince went to the hospital with Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And it's that, he's such a fascinating guy, Vince. And he's so easy to make fun of and say you're an evil guy who treats his performers like crap. But this is the biggest night of the year. He's got so much responsibility to be there. But he chose the human over the business. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that's that, it's quite staggering. Yeah. I've, that he would do that. I've always found one of the most fascinating things about wrestlers' interviews post being in WWE is how many of them, and it's not like a small group, it's many of them, will say that they saw Vince McMahon as a father figure. And it, and it is like Kurt Angle would say, like he was more of a father to me than my own father was. 
And Shawn Michaels has said that, and Brett has said that, and all of these people have said, like, yeah, no, Vince is like a father figure to a lot of guys in the back. And it's because, I'd imagine, moments like this, where he left the show to go and be with Undertaker because he knew how badly he was during that match, how badly he was hurt. And you've seen clips of The Undertaker at WrestleMania since, where after the match, he can't walk, and they have to, like, get the card out and, like, drive him around in a golf buggy because he literally cannot, mm. like, walk in... He can walk... He'll walk as far as the gorilla position and then fall down. And it is just... It's kind of... It's it's almost sad a little bit, really. Yeah. It really is. Um, would you like some reviews? What would you have given it a star rating-wise? Oh, man. Uh... Well, for for me, I, I struggle to separate the in-ring match with the logic behind the booking and whether that was a good idea or not. I guess I, I totally see the argument that it was a good idea for Brock to end the streak. Um, Considering what happens afterwards. Yeah. From my opinion, terrible idea. Still think it was a terrible idea. The, the, the other ways to get to what you needed to do and it would have been far more effective as a company overall. Uh, and it was a crap match, so like... Two stars. Yeah. I think you're more praising than other people were. Uh, Dave Meltzer would say, the announcers pushed the idea that it was, he was going out for the final time like it was a sense of finality, star and a half. Vinny V would write in the figure four, uh, perhaps you've heard about this one. Uh, well, perhaps, well, however, new, uh, well, however newsworthy it may have been, it wasn't very good. Whether that's because Taker is broken or perhaps because he suffered a concussion somewhere in the early going or whatever. The reaction of the fans to the finish were better than anything that happened in the match itself. Undertaker tried to milk the crowd reaction as much as possible after the match, but never really got it. I think because it took the crowd a good 15 minutes to accept what they had just seen. Yeah. The chance for Taker's name didn't really start in earnest <clears throat> until the middle of the next match. In fact, during one it's lull in the cheers you can clearly hear one guy booing and telling Undertaker that he sucks <laughs> Uh, that was sad, honestly. For historical purposes, this is must-see stuff. One of the biggest wins of the past decade or more, but that doesn't mean it was particularly good. Star and a quarter. Wade Keller would say, The rating is raised just for the finish because it was so stunning, although it's too bad that Taker Streak ended with a mediocre match where I know I was more concerned with Taker's well-being several times mm. than the enjoyment of getting wrapped up in the match. Two and a half stars. Just imagine if their SummerSlam match was here. Yeah, absolutely. Without all the punching the dick stuff. <laughs> yeah. For no time for punches in the dick. That's Brock's weakness. We, we know that, yeah. Um, that's all Heyman, surely. It's like, that's the only way you could put the beast down. <laughs> uh, we get a bit of a change of pace. Uh, the WrestleMania 31 promo is played. Mm. And this is where they started to debut the new WWE logo. Was it really? Yeah, because you notice on this show, it's still the Scratch logo. I didn't realize that. Yeah, but yeah you're the right. The new sharper one came in with the network. But they so they phased out the scratch yeah. logo on TV, sort of how like we're doing with WrestleTalk. We haven't quite brought in all the new logos. We're yet. one graphic away <laughs> from full assimilation. Uh, we get a plug for Kids Rock Celebrate. I seem to remember him doing a performance on this show, but I must have made that up. He's. The, I feel like Kid Rock's done so many performances throughout the years. There's definitely one. Whether it was 30, 31, 32. We've reviewed one of them. And it went on forever. Ever, yeah. yeah. I know we've definitely reviewed one of them, which is 25. Is that yeah. 25? Yeah, with all the, um, all the divas came out. Yeah. And I thought, two of the, I thought some of them had been cloned because they all look the same. But there's, there's a later one where everyone in the audience said it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. But from watching at home, it was boring. <laughs> Uh, cut back to the commentators with Cole saying he was thankful to be able to call the Undertaker's uh, call his final match essentially that's what he, kind of the way he's putting it and he sounds genuinely choked up and it really does feel like the last match ever but 
Speaking of changes of pace and a match that had <laughs> no chance in the aftermath of that. Go to the toilet, folks. It is the Vicky Guerrero Divas Invitational. All of a sudden, there's loads of women in the ring. Mm. Like, it is filled. And I've paused it to see if I can name who's in there. Ooh, this will be fun. So here's how many I managed to name. Only, this is the only women's match on the show, isn't it? Yeah. There's not a single other woman Mate. anywhere else on the card. Michael Cole says one of the most stunning facts I've ever heard about WrestleMania. This title... Yeah has been around since 2008, and this is the first time it's ever been defended at WrestleMania cut at six years. That's insane. Well, you know, there's there's bigger things to fry, like... Uh, <laughs> Snooky. Snooky and... Stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's loads. So I paused it, and this is how many people I could name from the still frame that I had. I saw Eva Marie, Natalia, Cameron, Emma, Summer Rae, Tamina, and Naomi. And then later on, I, I spotted Alicia Fox and uh, the Bellas. But there are a few of them that I have absolutely a scooby-doo who they are. Did you say Emma? Yeah. Yeah, she is She is not the Emma <laughs> that I associate with now when I think of Emma Lena. No, but she when is I... pasty. Yeah, but when I, I... This is the Emma that I fell in love with. This yeah. was the NXT Emma yes. with, the, with the dance and everything. That I, I remember saying at the time, that's going to get over like wildfire on the main roster. I, th I thought the same, yeah. yeah. Um, right, so this is a 14-woman match. It's not a battle royal. It is a match. There's just 14 women in it. And it's the first person to get a pinfall. Vicky Guerrero does the excuse me gimmick. And um, AJ Lee is the only one who gets an entrance. She's the Divas champion. She's been champion for like, I don't know, four years at this point or something <laughs> ludicrous. And her music is horrendous. Oh, I, I don't mind I hate it. her music. I love her look. Love her look. I think AJ had a really good, she had star presence about her. Wrong era for AJ Lee. She was, she was in the wrong period totally. of time yeah. for, for women's wrestling. A lot of the current era really look up to AJ Lee. She seems yeah. quite friendly with uh, a lot of the people who were NXT back then but yeah. would go on to become the, the cream of the crop now. I mean, really, her and Paige were the, the two that yes. really pushed forward the give Divas a chance. I know the Bellas will take a lot of credit for it, but I, it really was uh, AJ and uh, Paige that were pushing for it massively on the main roster. Right, so I guess AJ and Tamina are friends. Yeah, I that's up how on this that. starts off. So that all the women in the ring, AJ's in the middle, and they surround her, and it's like AJ and Tamina back to back, ready to fight them all. Yeah. And then the commentary say, "Yep, Tamina's AJ's only proper friend." And I was like, "Tamina, <laughs> is that Tamina?" And then they call her a protector. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Crowd start chanting for Undertaker. It's about my first note. This is horrendous. Mm. This is very... The Bellas catch... I've written, they catch someone. I've a Scooby-Doo who they caught. And they do the worst double gut buster I've ever seen mm. in my life. They, they All three of them just fall down. I've no idea what happens. <laughs> there's, a, there's a spot... I mean, I haven't written down much. <laughs> uh, there's a spot where both Bellas do stereo dives outside onto six women yeah. and they all fall down like how a fence would fall over. <laughs> it's so lame and low impact and just rubbish. Do you know how bad this match is? Lawler talks about what he's <clears throat> tweeting 
Even Jerry Lawler doesn't care about this match. He just wants to shout puppies. Yeah. He does say at one point that his eyes are having a pleasure overload, but it was such a forced line. It was like someone <laughs> said to him, was like, Jerry, will you say a Jerryism? And he's like, ah, my eyes are having an orgasm. Enter oh, was... objectify mode. <laughs> Uh, but it's because the crowd don't care. First of all, the crowd were never going to care about this match, regardless of the quality of the previous one or if Undertaker's streak was broken. But because it was a bad match beforehand and Taker's streak was broken, they were completely deflated. Yeah, oh, mate. Absolutely. Uh, Emma does some dancing. There's a, re- a really weird spot. Who engineered this? I've absolutely no idea. But Natalia gets three women in to do a sharpshooter pose. It's not going to work. I know it was never going to work, but then Eva Marie just comes up and just pulls Natalia down. And then the spot's never picked up again. Mm. It's like, why did you even set this up in the first place? What agent said, ah, oh, do you know what would be great? We'll do this, and then Eva will get massive heel heat for stopping you doing it. Yeah, usually one person's in the sharpshooter, broken up, person who breaks up the sharpshooter, put in for a double sharpshooter. Yeah. Yeah, it was rubbish. It was bad. Uh, Fox does her axe kick of complete death. Like, she <laughs> broke Emma's back with that thing. Uh, I've just spotted a Layla's there. Someone called Aksana? Yes. She was with Antonio Cesaro, I believe. What <laughs> was she? You keep going through them. Uh, Brimo drop kick. Uh Bellas do the double dive as you say. One guy can, can start, tries to do a, a holy S-word chant. Bellas then sort of turn on each other and Nikki does the rack attack to Brie. I will say this, though. Genuinely good tilt-a-well backbreaker by Alicia Fox. It was tremendous. You're, you're going to love this. That is when Antonio Cesaro <laughs> debuted on the main roster. There he is with Oksana as yeah. a couple. Oh, dearie me. Because they're foreign, I guess. I, probably. Um, Natalia, uh, Natalia, Tamina drills Natalia with a Samoan drop. Then she goes up for the splash, but that gets stopped. This match somehow is still going. They do a Tower of Tomb, and then uh, AJ gets in her submission, which I believe was called the Black Widow, and she wins. Uh, And um, yeah, uh, Ollie is showing me a picture of Cesaro with the United States Championship making out with Aksana. I was watching at the time, and I don't remember any of this. Yeah, it was a thing. Yeah. Vicky's unhappy. It was awful. Gives a crap. Absolutely. Dave Meltzer would say, the crowd were totally dead, deflated by Undertaker's loss. AJ put on the Black Widow at Naomi. Here's interesting. The idea of the finish that Lee was to grab Naomi's hand and tap with it, which would set up a rematch on TV. For whatever reason, as she was doing it, Naomi tapped with the other hand. Star (laughs) and a quarter. (laughs) Uh, lastly, um, Vinny V would say they all did some stuff. Then AJ tapped out Naomi with a Black Widow. That's all I had to say at the time. I'm not going back to see if I missed anything. One star. And Wade Keller would say few matches were put in a more difficult position on a wrestling card than this one. Nobody was able to focus on this one as the buzz in the stadium remained on the shock of the Undertaker's streak. No star rating. Gene Oakland here. And like the WWE Universe, I am enjoying this extravaganza. By the way, still to come, WWE World Heavyweight Championship match. And please join me, the host of WrestleMania 30. Come on in, Hulk Hogan. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. WrestleMania 30 is rocking the Superdome, brother. What are you two doing here? Hey, Ronnie Piper. Is that you, Paul Ornard? No, it's Rudolph. Are you kidding me? Stop. Just stop. I came here to give you a compliment as hard as it is. You're doing a great job hosting WrestleMania, okay? 
is good, alright? And I know talking's not your strong suit, but you're doing okay. But I gotta tell you, I heard you yelping, you know, over again about you and Mr. T, how you beat us at WrestleMania. And it, it doesn't bother me, because he didn't beat me, but it really makes Oscar grouchy. Takes him right off. Oh, right. Right. Hogan, you know, for the last 30 years, all I hear every day of the week, at least once, they bring up the fact that I lost the match in the first WrestleMania ever. How do you think that makes me feel? You yeah. feel horrible. I feel yeah. terrible about it. Yeah. You know what? But you know something? Yeah. If I would have had a partner that would have watched my back, Maybe we wouldn't have lost it. Well, you got one now. I'll watch your bat now. Hey, big guy. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, uh, up here, the fool trouble with my man, Hulk. You heard me. Up here, the fool start trouble with my man, Hulk. Come down. Come down. That was 30 years ago. You gotta get hot, guys. I don't care. You know something that was 30 years ago. It is time to bury the hatchet. Horned off on Piper. Be men about it. They started. Come on, really? Be a man, Piper. Bury the hatchet. Oh, Thanks, Thanks Mr. Wonderful. Thank you. There's the handshake. You see what I mean? Woo. You people oh. out there see what I mean? Oh, oh, My word. That's a WrestleMania moment. Cut back to Mean Gene backstage, and he's enjoying the show, and uh, and no one cares because the Undertaker <laughs> just lost the streak. And then we had to watch that Divas match that went on for a surprisingly long, considering. Um, and then Hulk Hogan walks in. He does his. He plays the Hogan best of. That 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 got me. That did. Uh, yeah, it was with with Gene dying this year. Yeah, I suppose. And, yeah, and Hogan and Gene together like that. I yeah. Just, yeah, that was. Sad. I forgot about Hogan coming out on Raw to do like the Mean Gene eulogy and did like one last promo mm. to Mean Gene. God, I forgot all about that. Uh, and then who should walk up but Paul Orndorff and Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hogan's opponents from the very first WrestleMania, and Orndorff is sporting a wonderful moustache. Yeah, learn Robert Roode. He looks awesome. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, and then Piper says that Hogan's doing a good job. He did a good job opening the show. And uh, he said, you know, I wasn't bothered about losing at WrestleMania because I wasn't the one that lost. Paul Orndorff was, uh, was the one that lost the match. <laughs> Roddy's so good. <laughs> Roddy Piper is a star in this segment. Yeah. He's so great. And, and then Orndorff says that at least once a week, I hear that I was the one that lost the match at WrestleMania. Dave's like, I can believe that. Mm. I was like, can you, Dave? Can you really believe that? Um, and then Piper starts squaring up to Hogan, but Orndorff blames Piper for the loss. It's like, if I had a partner that was better, then we wouldn't have lost. And then all of a sudden, Mr. T appears out of nowhere. Well, wasn't Roddy started to fire up again? He said, I'll be in your corner properly this yeah. time, Paul. Exactly. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then Mr. T comes out. Pat Patterson walks up in the referee's outfit because he was the referee for the match. Apparently, he was the one that was, he had to be the ref so he could lead Mr. T through what he had to do. God, Pat Patterson, what an absolute legend. And he just shows up and then walks away, and then they just carry on uh, arguing. So it was all 30 years ago. Get over it. <laughs> but this is my favorite moment, which is where they decide to bury the hatchet. It's been th- tw- 29 years, 30 years. <laughs> and we need to shake up, I need to shake hands. And Paul Orndorff is more than happy because he's Mr. Wonderful to shake everyone's hand. 
but not Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper sells these handshakes like he's passing a bowel movements, and it is legit painful to him to shake <laughs> hands with Mr. D. He's like, la, 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 la. Yeah, he's overselling so, it. It's great. It's very good. I laughed a lot. I, I thought this was a really nice yeah. little segment, having the, the main event of WrestleMania 31, all the participants there like that. WrestleMania 1, not WrestleMania 31. Well, yeah, yeah. Of next year's WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all there in that bit, and it's, you know, like, the 30th time here. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was very good. Much better than the Slam City one. <laughs> yes. Out of the two, I would have dropped the Slam I'll, City. I'll one. go with, yeah, I'll go with this one. And then we cut to ringside. We see some <laughs> legends, Bruno, San Martino, Harley Race, Bob Backlund, who I think was getting food out of his teeth, <laughs> <laughs> Dusty Rhodes. Chicken. And Bret Hart, who got a massive pop, huge pop for Bret Hart. Yeah, I, you wouldn't have known, maybe he didn't hear it because <laughs> he didn't seem happy. Or sad, he just had that same expressionless uh, Bret face. I am here. <laughs> Hello, I am Bret Hart. I am at a wrestling show. Which brings us to our main event. It is a triple threat for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. It is the champion Randy Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan. And Orton gets a band out to uh, do his entrance music. It's not just music in his head. They're right there. They're right Everyone there. else can hear these guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone should be I can't. I don't know what you're talking Didn't, about. Can't hear those voices, mate. Um, yeah, band seemed into it. They seemed to be having a good time. Nice long entrance for Randy. He gets to know the whole song. And he I do is th- the the undisputed champion. He's the world heavyweight. W- no, he's the world heavyweight champion. Yes, the w- WWE, WWE right. world, not the world heavyweight champion. He's the WWE world heavyweight champion because they merged the two belts together. And then I believe they did a fan poll. Because the power was in the fans' hands in 2014, mm. uh, which is different to how it is now in 2018 when they said they, they're putting the fa- uh, power in our hands. And the fans voted for it to be called the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Sometimes I want WWE to make a decision. <laughs> Sometimes democracy isn't best. Well, in fairness, they do change it later. Yeah. Like when they just split the belts off again, they do just call it the, the WWE Championship. I hate, I hated it. When you you had a, a one title, it's one effectively one championship you can win, but this championship has is manifest in two belts. Yeah, I just oh, I hate. I it. didn't like it when Jericho had it with the undisputed championship. I don't really like it here either. It made sense when it was the undisputed because you had the WCW and WWE. Well, hey, it's the same deal. You had the yeah. world heavyweight title. They were yeah. two separate uh, world titles. Apart from one of them was always the opening match on a card. Yeah. Um, and yet this is the era of Bootista. Mm. He didn't even look like Batista. He came out, I was like, that's not Batista. And like green little booties <laughs> on. Green boots on. <laughs> I, I feel for Batista. I love Batista. Me I think too. He's an, uh, an excellent human being from, from interviews and stuff I've read. I think he's an excellent character actor. He's done it the right way. He went in and worked his way up through just graft and being talented. Yeah. Uh, to to reach the pinnacle in two different areas, although they're kind of related, wrestling and acting, I I think is is very rare, and he's done it in in a more what's the word? Because it's not the Rock John Cena way. It's it's a more it's a it's a more technically proficient way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say Batista is a character actor. Yeah, but I, I mean Batista has been quite open that he wouldn't make the movies that The yes. Rock does because The Rock just the, the Rock plays The Rock in every movie The Rock does. He is The Rock. 
He'll make, he may do some slight differences, but at the end of the day, he is The Rock. Whereas Batista will take on roles where he can actually do some acting and like challenge himself and do something different with each. Drax, very different to uh, Mr. Tingle or whatever his name was from Spectre. <laughs> what was his name? Hinks. Hinks, that I was believe. it, yeah. I did, but I, and I always go to Blade Runner 2049, where he's this old dude with glasses. Yeah. I'm like, is that Batista? <laughs> He's just got glasses on, whereas I knew Drax was Batista. Yeah. But he had all loads of body paint on. I just, yeah, he's a great, he's a genuinely very good actor. Very, very good. Um, and there was a point when Batista made his entrance. So Randy Orton comes out first and then Batista comes out. And I just thought to myself, can you imagine if this was the main event I of know the I show? Said the same like thing. following that, following that Undertaker oh. moment, following that Divas match, and then this was your main event may have been a very different reaction to this show yeah i wonder if the wwe network would have suffered because of it yeah well i mean it's probably yeah, just a really to, good to launch point. it yeah but thankfully daniel bryan does come out um although i've got to say here do you see batista and he tripped getting into the ring again, again yeah that's no. what i thought he gets in and his foot gets caught on the ropes i was like how is it a wrestlemania thing that he maybe can't it's rust just, yeah ring rust it's every five years he just can't <laughs> get into the ring uh, Brian is selling the arm huge by only doing one-armed yes chance. That's how it, that's how bad his arm is hurting. So uh, this this is of course the second time Brian's come out. Yeah, and Meltzer said something interesting on the a recent Wrestling Observer radio when he was talking about AJ wrestling twice on Raw. Yeah, and how you never ever get a bigger reaction the second time in a night that the wrestler comes out. Yeah, or a star comes out. And I thought to myself when he said that, no, no, because Daniel Bryan's entrance at WrestleMania 30 was definitely bigger because everyone was excited for the main event. When I watched it after hearing that, it's not. It is like, it's it's half the the level. It's not as loud the second time. And I'd say it takes them, takes the crowd about five minutes to really yes yes this match up. And I think that's, that's finally the Undertaker's shock wearing off and people sort of realizing... Oh crap! It's the main event. This is this is what we all wanted to see. We all wanted to see Brian win. We now need to we need to get get ourselves into mm. gear here. Um, it's a bit like actually Becky this year. I think the crowd was very worn down after that sort of middle point of WrestleMania 35. That like it took me a little while to get into the Becky Lynch match. Yeah. Being like, right, this is it. It's the main event. It was seven hours in. Like we need to crack on now. Uh, they put over the WWE Network before the match. What what value I've had for the mm. WWE Network? Only nine ninety nine. Do you remember how much they drilled that in? Mm-hmm. It's it's like Netflix but cheaper. Yeah, they got it over as a sort of chant. Yeah, it's very clever the way they did it. Um, I love how Brian does his like running kick straight to Orton right at the start yeah. of this. It's great because Orton's so, so. I think Orton's fantastic in this match. I think he's absolutely hmm. brilliant. I really like him. I think his selling of everything that he does in this is brilliant. Yeah, but Brian takes out Orton and then just goes straight for Batista. And I thought, yes, this is good strategy, but the injury does get the better of him. Yeah. And then and then it's Orton and Batista going one-on-one a lot, really. And that's when I've put, geez, if this was the main event. Because the crowd, <laughs> yeah. because the crowd aren't into it. Absolutely. The crowd, they are only into Brian. Yeah, they die a death when it's just Orton and Batista and only cheer when it's Brian getting back in. And it's not like... Batista and Orton get much heel heat either. They're not even really over his heels. Triple H is when he yeah. comes in later. But yeah, but Orton and Batista are not over in a, a face or heel way or a tweener way. 
the the main event of WrestleMania should be. This is a one match react, a, a one guy reaction. Absolutely, yeah. And they do the yes kicks to both men, uh, giving the final kick to Batista, but then Orton catches him and suplexes him overhead. But Brian does his running drop kicks, and he gets a like he he really does the crowd pops when he gets in the ring, and then just goes silent when mm. he's not. And that happens a lot. Brian's taken out of this match many times over, and it just reminds me of Mania Thirty Four. Brian's big return match. Yeah. And he spends 90% of it out of, out of the match. And yeah, but he Shane didn't even get the, the start. Is it? Yeah, Sh- yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Shane does all the work. Babyface Shane. Best wrestler in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, God, what do we want to jump to? Oh, okay. Here's where the, I think this is where the match really picks up, which is when Steph and Triple H come out. Mm. Triple H looks like a proper dick. I love it. He's got the big WWE trainer jacket on. He's got a little towel yeah. underneath as well because he's he showered after his hard match. <laughs> he looks he looks ludicrous, but it's brilliant. It's so good. Yeah, it's Brian has Batista in the yes lock, and although it's not like obviously not the end of the match, it's more like the midpoint. Triple H and Stephanie come out and they they pull the referee out and the referee is replaced with Scott Armstrong. The crooked ref, Scott Armstrong. Cole is livid. So this is, do you remember the cadence? Yes. I didn't know what cadence was (laughs) until they did the whole cadence thing where they're like the cadence of the count was off. And I think that's, they took the title off someone. Probably Brian. Yeah, probably Brian. I uh, I never liked Scott Armstrong as an official. No? No, I don't like the way he counted. One, so I found him very pedestrian as a referee, hmm. whereas like Rudy Charles, I feel like he's visually reacting to stuff happening. Like, yeah. And, uh, and and Drake, Drake Younger as well. Yeah. In NXT. Roberts. Chris Roberts. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, he's... I like Chris He's Roberts. there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Batista bomb and Scott Armstrong's in the ring. Brian kicks out and Triple H just starts shouting at Armstrong for not counting fast enough. Mm-hmm. So good. And Lawler, clearly not up on the storylines, is just like, well, he's a referee. He's got to do his job. And JBL's going, he's the authority's referee. He's allowed <laughs> to cheat. Crowd explodes with yes chance and Cole just starts calling all. What the authority doing is pathetic. This Cole is so different to Daniel Bryan than 2011 oh, Michael yeah. Cole in Elimination Chamber. Worlds of difference. It's, it's really weird to see because we've watched those quite recently mm. as well. Um, Brian does a dive outside and he takes out the authority. He takes out Scott Armstrong, uh, Scott Armstrong Triple H, and even Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. She falls to the ground. But Triple H is right back up because oh, yeah. he takes dives all the time. Referees, that, that's a death sentence. Absolutely. Well, also, he was protected by the towel. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was a nice cushiony blow. Uh, he grabs the sledgehammer and the crack. And that's the thing. Sledgehammer, very goofy weapon. But it's been so well mm. protected over the years that it does get a reaction. And all Triple H has to do is just hold it up and the crowd know that something big is going to happen yeah. now. And I think this is great because Brian gets the hammer and he hits Triple H with it. What wonderful. I, the company do such a good job of putting Brian over on this night. Mm. And the heels in Stephanie and Triple H getting, Triple H in particular, getting his comeuppance. Oh, of yeah. being an absolute horrible bastard to Daniel Bryan these past few months. Finally getting his comeuppance. And it's all at the hands of Daniel Bryan. It's not slip on a banana peel or anything like that. This is Triple H being shown up mm. by the babyface wrestler. I think Triple H is, I think it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and and then like when Triple H is taken out, Steph 
Triple H, Scott Armstrong, they're all walked to the back by uh, our man, our man, <laughs> Dr. Chris, a man. It is. Deepak. I've got for everyone. And uh, I, I've just written down here, I am sports entertained. Oh, yeah. I Absolutely. am thoroughly sports entertained. Loved it. Particularly as well, because they do the... Uh, the sledgehammer spot and then there's a roll up moment and the crowd go oh, it's the finish yeah. and they all jump to their feet and there's still like another 10 minutes left of this but it really like I think they pitched this perfectly mm. to feel like it's an end point but it's actually just getting into its third act but with Triple H taken out Orton and Batista are like you know what we've been fighting at the start now we've got to do what's good for the company and the old evolution brotherhood it's beat up Brian so they, they team, up. team up on him and they, they start to beat him up loads. And then there's a point where Brian's laid out outside and they stare off at each other. But they're not looking at each other. They're kind of looking off. They never visually confirm it. And I'm like, are they going to fight? But then no. they go. It's just like an unspoken evolution bond. They start independently, never like never discussed it, start preparing the announcer's tables. Randy Orton gets over some steel steps. Batista gets Brian up on an announcer's table does, well, I say a Batista bomb. He doesn't do the sit-down thing, mm. but he just gives him a power bomb, and in that power bomb, Randy jumps off the steel steps and hits, I guess, a reverse RKO yeah. on Brian through the announce table. What a what a visual. It's Great so, spot. It's absolutely awesome, but poor old Randy Orton, because they did their best to... And this was the old TV monitors as well, where they were big, chunky monitors... And Orton lands right on top of one of them as he lands on the RKO. He's done that before. Yeah. I feel like he always gets his back cut up on these spots. Uh, it must have absolutely sucked because you're just landing flat on that, like in the small of your back. Mm. Oh, it must have really hurt. King, clearly not up on things. Like, they're doing this to impress the authority. It's like, no, they're doing <laughs> it to take Daniel Bryan out of the match, you goober. They're part of the authority, <laughs> really. Um yeah, and then like, yeah, they just absolutely. I love that no communication. But uh, the only thing I would say about this, there were some loud chants for CM Punk uh, during oh, this whoa. moment. But this is, you know, this was a moment when it was sort of fresh thing to do. He's only been gone three months. Um, so then they get back into the ring, and this is, and Cole says this was the WrestleMania match we were supposed to get. And I'm like, good lord, I'm glad we mm. didn't. And the crowd bursts into Daniel Bryan chants. I think this is absolutely inspired stuff doing this because then you just get Orton and Batista having a one-on-one -on -one match. And the crowd are just chanting for Daniel Bryan to get back up. Come on, man. Come yeah. on. You can do it. And the medical staff come down. A man's got no Z-packs to give him, but he's going to get him on the board anyway and drag him back up. And the crowd are booing. No, come on, Daniel Bryan. Yes, yes, yes. And all of a sudden, you can see Bryan. No, no. And he fights off and he pushes Chris a man. No, I don't want your Z-packs. And he unpacks himself from the, the board and he gets back into the ring. It's it's brilliant. Sports entertainment. Yeah. I... And that, it's, like, New Japan can't touch this level of sports entertainment. <laughs> no. I know it's it, different things, but this is this is great booking. Yeah. Uh, but I, in my head, weirdly, I thought they wheeled in... In my memory, I thought they wheeled him backstage. All the way to the back. Yeah. I thought that as well. Um, but it's so smart to keep him out there because if you take him out, you are left with Batista <laughs> and Orton in the ring. And then the crowd would have just turned on it. Yeah. But keeping Brian so close to ringside, he doesn't even start going up the ramp. Yeah. He's still in the ringside area. Everyone can still see him and just chant away. Yeah, yeah. really good booking. And Orton, as soon as he sees Brian up, because Brian, like Brian's crawling, he can't even stand up. Orton just like tosses him into the stairs. Really, really good spot. And uh, draws him into the steps. And then uh, Orton essentially basks in the Daniel Bryan chants. 
Like he cups his ear, he wants to hear them all because he's about to kill your hero. And he gets down and he starts slamming the mat, sets up for the RKO. Daniel Bryan gets him into the yes lock and the crowd explodes. Batista breaks it up. Boo. But then Bryan gets him in the yes lock. Hooray! Mm. Tap, tap, tap. Order stops that. Boo. Bryan, Bryan. Daniel Bryan chants everywhere. Batista blocks an RKO. He tries to spear Orton, but runs headfirst into Daniel Bryan and just wipes him out out of the ring yeah it wasn't a spear was it it was a, a running was low headbutt <laughs> yeah. the pounce and then and this is a great moment as well because mm. everyone bought this as the finish Brian gets bounced out of the ring Batista turns around into an RKO the crowd you can hear this breath intake of, of everyone going like <gasps> Yeah. Until Batista kicks out and everyone just breathes the sigh of relief be like oh thank god yeah, it's, it's not a proper pop it's a oh god <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then Orton sets up for the punt. Yeah. And in a great piece of camera work, kind of like how when we did WrestleMania 20, you don't see Shawn Michaels super kick out the uh, the sharpshooter, yeah. isn't it? And so on, on Chris Benoit until very late. Uh, Orton goes for the punt and Brian just runs into shot with a knee yeah. from out of nowhere Ooh. on Orton. Absolutely. Although Lawler, once again... Not really up on what's going on. Like, Orton goes to do his punt. And Lord says, is he going to that place? I'm like, mate, you say that when he's going to do the RKO. Mm. Come on now. Know your spots. But yeah, he hits the running knee on Randy Orton. Uh, but Batista gets up and tries to steal the pin. Like a little prick. That's great. Batista bomb. Running knee to Batista. Gets him in the yes lock. Michael Cole, I realized, on this show has got this thing as well. And you can see him doing it later on where he pushes the microphone closer to his mouth to make a really great sound. So he's like, tap out Batista, tap out Batista, tap out Batista, rather than making it sound like this. Where, so you get like this more sort of like echoey, closer, more intense sound. Huh. I don't know why he did it, because it sounds goofy, because it doesn't yeah. sound like the rest of commentary. Um, and then, yeah, Batista taps out. Tap, he, he taps out and the crowd explodes. Mm. This is, I love this. And my first note is like, this was the moment we wanted for Becky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. the moment we all wanted Triple Becky to threat. have. Yeah. Two other people that the company wanted, yeah. but we got our guy. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Fireworks go off as Brian celebrates. What an absolute moment. There's so much confetti, you can barely see the mm. ring, and he gets up onto the announcer's table, and he's got both belts above his head. Shoulder's fine now, and he's doing the big old yes <laughs> chance. It's the adrenaline. It's, the, it's such a great visual. And he points to the Connor's, uh, like Connor's cure yeah, kid. Oh, it choked me up a little bit. I could, I, I, they showed Connor. I was like, I can feel myself welling up. Mm. So just before we went to go see Endgame as well. So I was already like emotionally damaged. Um, and JBL says, like JBL, he's been anti-Daniel Bryan this whole night. He's just like, I was proven wrong. I guess I, guess I do believe in miracles. Oh, oh, that was a really great call. Bryan's in tears. They milk this moment for just the right amount of time. I, I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Is it his sister and niece? I believe get so, in yeah. The ring? I think so, yeah. There's no Brie at this point. No, I don't think I she guess. was. Like, she wanted to go out, apparently. I think Daniel yeah. Bryan writes about this in his book, but they wouldn't let her go out yeah. because they weren't on screen, like, you know, associated. Yeah. So they wouldn't let her go down. Um, but yeah, an absolutely all-time great, amazing moment. Yeah. And Lawler says, yes, Mania <laughs> again. Like the eighth time in the night. Dave Meltzer would say they did the big confetti celebration with Brian in the ring as the new champion as the crowd. Well, all right. So 
Dave is very salty in this. I've got to, I've got to say. Okay. Um, as the crowd, at least in the lower section of the arena, was going crazy, I was told it wasn't seventy thousand people chanting yes. As in the upper deck, it looked like it. As in the upper deck, it wasn't as big as a moment as you'd think. Hmm. Uh, but it was still an awesome spectacle and the right thing to do on the right date for the next chapter of this story. Four and a half stars. Dave Meltzer huh yeah I don't think it was as good as the Triple H match I thought the Triple H match was better as well yeah, yeah I agree um, Vinny we would say this one got off a bit slow but I think by the end they, uh, it was even better than the Hunter match in fact I think there's a good <laughs> chance that if you made a list of the 10 greatest Wrestlemania matches Brian would be there twice for this one show at the time I was so blown away slash relieved by the final result of these matches that I didn't really appreciate how great Brian has been in the process really between the opening promo Brian's matches Taker's loss and the Wyatt's a match which a lot of people liked more than me you could make a strong argument that this was the best wrestlemania ever four and a half stars from vinny v wade keller would also say and round up very good main events normally i'm not in for all the histrionics and the interference in a match but in this case given what happened earlier in the show including a straight up one-on-one match with brian versus hunter and then the solemn and clunky undertaker versus brock match this felt like it struck the right tone to end the show having brian standing tall at the end was symbolic of what the wwe universe hoped they'd see the crowd enthusiasm was amazing for brian even after over four hours of exhausting oh emotional happenings <laughs> Just you, oh, mate. Wade, if you only knew, mate. So there it is. WrestleMania 30. It's in the books. What do you think of the show? So weirdly, usually I, uh, I, I think shows, I have an opinion of shows before I go in. And then I watch them and they're better than I remember. There's, there's things I like more. Uh, but this, this one, I went back to very favorably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, enormously fond memories of this. Um, but it's hard to separate all the ways WWE screwed up afterwards and started screwing up in this pay-per-view. And I'm looking through the, the, the segments. Opening segment, home run. First Daniel Bryan match with Triple H, brilliant. Then we've got the Shield Squash match, meh. I don't really rate that at all. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, meh, don't really rate that at all. And Cesaro mm-hmm. was botched afterwards. So I'm being quite down on this. John Cena versus Bray Wyatt, the wrong person won, like sort of undermining the rest of the match. Then you've got Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, that was rubbish. And then you've got the Divas Invitational, yeah. which was rubbish. And then you've got the main event, which was extremely good yeah so actually Wrestlemania 30 is a two match one it's a one guy two match one segment show yeah but those are very good. <laughs> like those three things are are very good. And I, I I enjoyed the Shield match for what it was. I enjoyed Cesaro slamming Big Show. I thought it was quite a cool little spectacle. Um yeah I, I didn't like the Wyatt Cena match. I, I like the story of it, mm, yeah. but I don't think it worked particularly well in execution. Well, the story doesn't work and with that finish, so... No, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah the finish really does sound me on it. The Brock-Taker match is what it is, uh, and the Divas match is very bad. But I, And I love this ending. So I think it's good. I don't know if it holds up in my estimations. Mm. I actually think WrestleMania 31, which is the... I think is a much better show. Yeah. Although, even though I really hated that Sting-Triple-H match... 
Uh, oh, actually, I do like the stick trip. I, lo- I If you watch it without the commentary, it's wonderful. I think the commentary really holds it back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, you're right in terms of like this feels like it's a really big deal. And it feels like it's going to be the start of something huge. But unfortunately, a lot of it's not followed up on. Um, I was just going through the shows to kind of sort of see what would happen, you know, coming up very soon. In the next uh, show, uh, Cesaro is in a triple threat match he's now aligned with Paul Heyman that he wins but the following uh, month he loses um, to Sheamus for the United States Championship mm. Like, and it's, uh, it's a match that doesn't go very long and by that point it's um, Daniel Bryan's not champion anymore because of the concussions that he suffered on house shows he faced Kane on the next pay-per-view that was his one title defense that he really had on pay-per-view and then two months later John Cena's champion again and it, like, when John Cena's champion again I was like alright cool so we're back at square one then like yeah. all of that Daniel Bryan stuff, and what do we ended up with? And what do you end up with? It's John Cena's champion again. And for, yeah, and I think with the power of hindsight, this should feel like it's the big new start. But really, it wasn't. Just like WrestleMania 20, it all yeah. begins again. Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and then. We mean next year. We mean next year it's going to start all over again because that's where John Cena wins. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I will say I did enjoy the show. I enjoyed. The Daniel Bryan matches mm-hmm. and the opening <laughs> segment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that is all we've got time for on this review. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you so, so much for being one of our awesome Pledge Hammers on Patreon. Sorry this is a little bit late, but we did get it out in the month it was supposed to go out. So that's better than last Good month. For us. Yay! Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be back for May. Um, not sure what we're going to get in May. Oh, come on back. Oh, that's more April. That's an April show. I think we're out of Backlash season now. So the choice is yours, really. We're in that post-WrestleMania lull. So, hey, maybe it won't be a WWF show. Maybe it'll be something different. But uh, I guess we'll find out. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.